All right, AK Hands, we are back with another episode of the Talking Lead AK Corner, Season 3, and this is Episode 6. We are halfway through Season 3 of the AK Corner, and befitting, this is also Episode 399 of the Talking Lead Podcast. So, 762 by 39, 399, get it? Hey, (laughs) that's pretty cool. So, we're going to be battling it out on this episode. I thought this would be a good episode to bring in the big guns and have a battle royale against the AK versus the AR. And it could be the AR-10, it could be the AR-15, just the AR platform versus the AK platform. AR-10 suck. Do what? (laughs) (laughs) Air guns suck. Shot fired. (laughs) So there you go. It's already starting. The the battle has begun. And uh, we're waiting on one team member, and he may or may not show up. He may be MIA. Uh, we're waiting on Brian from Occam Defense Solutions, my consummate co-host for the AK Corner. Similar uh, to the AK's accuracy, MIA. He's in cool comrades. We must see him again. I like it. I like it. Uh, but if you haven't had a chance yet, make sure you go back to last month's episode where we kind of veered off track from the AK and we talked, Jeremy, we talked to the Uzi. You sent us one of, one of the probably most knowledgeable, uh, just firearms guy, but he knew a shit ton about the Uzi, Tom Alabrando with IWIUS. Tom did an amazing job. Did you get a chance to listen to that episode, Jeremy? I did. I did. I, t- I call Tom Fromer. Like the amount of information he has stored in his head about random things. It's crazy. We were in a, we were in Israel doing a tour and he pretty much told the tour guide to shut up and Tom continued to tour. I was like, <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> so he, he was going to join us this episode because I know he, he would probably have a lot of info <laughs> on uh, both of these, these rifles, the AR and the AK, but Jeremy is a, a wealth of knowledge in and of himself too. So, uh, it worked out good, um, but go back, check that episode out. We talked about the Uzi. It was an awesome episode, and uh, we had uh, Brian was on that with us too. Check it out. Fun episode, but this one's going to be even more fun because we've got a room full of personality, I guess I'll say. And I'm going to start off with uh, Team AR, and you've heard this gentleman before, Uh He's been on our regular show, the Talking Live Podcast, been one of the longtime listeners and followers and supporters of the show, and he's gone out and started his own damn podcast, as if you know I needed the competition. It's uh, none other than our good buddy Nick Dooley, host of the AR-15 Podcast. Nick, welcome in. How are we doing? We're glad to be here. And uh, you know, even though we are the AR-15 Podcast, it is always important to have all the knowledge you can get, and... Uh, <laughs> I've been a longtime listener of the AK Corner, and it is one of my favorite shows of the month. Well, thanks. I appreciate that. You know, thanks for sucking up a little bit. But <laughs> you, you don't do the AR-15 podcast alone. You've got a, a host, no, a co-host. I, to I have, I have my co-host here with me. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll be here. I'll be a man of few words, but I'll listen in and I'll chime in once in a while. Introduce Garth to the Leadheads, because I don't think Garth's been on the show before. I have no, no, no Garth has not. 
So my friend Garth here uh, kind of brings the everyman to the shooting sports. He just started shooting about uh, well, seven years ago, really, in a big way. Yeah. And so since then, has kind of gotten into it and gone whole hog into everything. We've got him into competition shooting now. and uh, Very nice. I have started an, an untamable addiction. Very much so. All right. If it's your first time on the show, though, you got to do a desk pop. <laughs> I love my 380 in the car. So, oh, yeah, we can use you, okay? Let's bring that over here. No, no. You guys said pre-show that you had uh, plenty of guns in the room. Don't even uh, yeah, try. Just, just dub in the sound. <laughs> so, so for you listening <laughs> on uh, audio only, we do do a video version of this podcast. Uh, we posted it on YouTube now. So you can go check out the video uh, of this, and I'm sure you're not going to want to miss it because uh, there's no telling what's going to happen here. But also on Team AR, we've got Jeremy Gresham with IWIUS. And Jeremy uh, is no stranger to the show. He's been on the podcast several times. And IWI, of course, is sponsor of the AK Corner. Uh, Jeremy, welcome in. I'm excited to be here, man. It's definitely going to be interesting with the crowd we have this evening. It's, it's going to be something. Uh, so hopefully I can keep control of it and uh, keep it on track. But, you know, who knows? Nope. Uh, Jeremy, Jeremy uh, is, you know, he's kind of unique. He's with IWIUS. Of course, they make a variety of firearms there. They do the Galil. They do the, the bullpups. They do the ARs now. They do pistols. So uh, Jeremy knows quite a bit about everything. So he may jump teams as we're doing this. I don't know. Uh, we'll see what happens. But he's designated <coughs> Team AR. <laughs> so talk about the AR that IWI is is producing nowadays. Yeah, man, we uh, we decided to make an AR-15 mainly for U.S. manufacturing uh, to start that up and start getting ahead of uh, what we believe is an importation ban at some point from our lovely government. Uh, but also to, uh, you know, the IDF purchases half X95 and half M4, and there's no reason to give that money to anybody else. So um, now we're uh, working on securing that contract and doing some other stuff. But uh, pretty um, pretty good time. We couldn't have asked for a better launch of the M4. Uh, it kind of hit right out of a perfect storm, and it's seen good success, and we'll continue to push forward and try to do some other things with it as well. Very cool. Very cool. Looking, looking forward and excited to that. Uh, and I think we're going to get either you or Tom on the regular show, and we're actually going to we're going to go into details about it and talk about it. You know, yeah, it's going to be a good episode when we do that. And then on the other side of the coin, we've got Team AK, and the captain for Team AK is still MIA. That uh, was going to be Brian with Occam Defense Solutions, my co-host, but. He is yet to show up, probably putting out some kind of fire or something like that, but I'm sure he'll join us here in a minute. He's using a Type A fire extinguisher to put out an electrical fire. <laughs> is that what it is? <laughs> Somebody's about to get a plane crashed into their house, sounds like. That sounds like a low-flying plane. So also on Team AK, we've got Curtis Halstrom. He's a so veteran of the show, been on many, many, many times. Helped me through that uh, that rough patch when I took over the show. Helped me co-host for quite a few episodes there. He's with the VSO Gun Channel. Curtis Halstrom. Gun gun guru extraordinaire, we'll call you. Ooh, Welcome I in. don't know. Yeah. Ooh, I don't know about that. Yeah. <laughs> a, ma a man of very strong opinion. If it has a trigger <laughs> and it'll take bullets, 
Curtis will shoot it. May not like it, but he'll shoot it, and he'll give you his damn opinion about it too, won't you? Yep, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> yep, pretty much. <laughs> but you're you're more you're no more to be an A an AR guy than an AK guy, right? So I have a, I have a pile of AKs, and I have just as many ARs. Um, it I, I consider myself both. I really find an affinity for the Soviet style stuff as far as like a hobby. It's concerned, but uh, I hate to betray my team and stuff, but uh, I'm sitting at my desk right now, and that is not an AK. Speaking of your team, here's your captain. Let's see what he has to say. About time. He needs to show up. Brian Keeney. So there's an email that I sent out to everybody. Group group email's got the link in it. Shit, I'm an idiot. I'm sorry. Um, I'll apologize to the group in a minute here. You, you would think that They're an aerospace right guy now. would be able to figure out how email works. They're all cussing you. <laughs> so. Skype. S-K-S-K-Y-P. You're you're already too far advanced. In, turn on internet. <laughs> uh, where's the any key? <laughs> I even, am I on camera now? I don't even see this now. Are you uh, on Skype? Yeah, I mean, I've been I've been messaging you as to what was going on, which maybe didn't come through. But, Here, uh, hold on. Oh, so now he's trying to shift it to Marty's fault. That's, what, that's what's going on. Now it's my fault. <laughs> there, I just, I just sent you. <laughs> Refuse, deny, make counter accusations. All of the above. All the above. Yeah. <laughs> hey, guys, I am really sorry. <laughs> Fuck yourself, <Yeah>. please. <laughs> Apologies, gents. Um, yeah, like but I'm here now. <laughs> are we rolling or uh, we are we are rolling i'm in the middle of uh, the team introductions and i just introduced uh, curtis who is on your team and i'm getting ready I don't know to if he's on my team anymore but but uh hopefully he'll let me back on the island <laughs> <laughs> also on team ak again a veteran of the show and sponsor of the show we have james bialzak with factory 47 who has the coolest last name ever because he has CZ and AK in his last name. But yeah, we call right. him Ballsack, so whatever. <laughs> hey, you're on my team today, dude. <laughs> James, right, welcome up, in. Factory yeah, 47. Thanks, thanks for having me on the show. You're welcome. Thanks for being on the show. <laughs> All right, I'm ready to beat up on these AR guys. Let's get going. I can tell you're chomping at the bit. James is ready to jump into this, so... Uh, we'll, now we'll, we'll we'll go back so to the captain man. Brian Keeney with Auckland Defense has joined us now. The team I AK have a captain is James cooking something in a sous vide in the background. <laughs> is tell what? me that doesn't look like a sous vide over his left shoulder. Yeah, right there. If you look at him right, he looks like um, in the depending on the light, he does look like he's on Breaking Bad though. Yeah. <laughs> God, what's the kid's name? I forget. Uh, I'm not sure. So, Brian, you were putting out fires. You you found the opportunity to join us. We appreciate it. Um, digging the background tonight, by the way. Oh yeah, got the full shop 
view this time. Oh yeah, is that on? Uh, I'm, I'm looking that. at us all sitting on a little, a little, uh, well, a little amphitheater. There. We, what with what's with all the fancy words sous vide and now dais? Man, <laughs> I got to up my game. <laughs> no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> all I see is a grid view. Is it? Uh, you got some kind of other view? Mm-hmm. I've got a view. Yeah. yeah, we all are in the amphitheater, like when you did the the student class thing uh the 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 class questions from the ak corner really okay yeah 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 Uh, you don't get that that's what i got no i've got a grid view everybody's in a little box on my screen you can change it on the top of your screen no it says it It, says if you're in together mode you're on the little amphitheater otherwise that's way better yeah this is Oh, yeah. Look at way that better. shit. It's way oh, better. Great. Oh, okay, you can change now, it. Now yeah. we're changing okay, it. Yeah, I was making fun of people for being technologically illiterate. Well, I'm going to shut up. Okay, so. <laughs> I mean, it looked really cool for a second. Team AK already down one point. <laughs> so I'm not I'm not cooking anything anymore? That's good. No, you definitely still have a sous vide in your. Glad I got okay. you guys caught back up. <laughs> okay. I thought the AK people are supposed to be the primitive ones. All right, so we're going to start off with with, with Team AK, okay? Because what I want to do is do a little brief history. We're going to do a little brief history of the AK and the and the AR, and just to test the Team AK's knowledge, I want you guys to uh, give us just a brief history of how the AK forty seven came to be. So basically, Mikhail Kalashnikov stole the STG forty four from the Germans and made it. <laughs> really you guys didn't stop me like you just gonna let me i love it this is great because that's what he did right. <laughs> i was waiting for you to say that mikhail kalashnikov isn't a real person and it was a, <laughs> that he was a like big brother like a, a fiction of the, of the soviet government no but uh no. continue i thought you guys were made gonna, up were no that's perfect i mean you're on the right track keep going I love it. Oh, I know. I wasn't going to go any further. I was expecting one of the AK guys to shut me down. After <laughs> I was going to say, can one of the AR guys jump in and talk about this tiny tank commander from uh, Russia fighting in World War II that said they needed a better rifle? Right. Yeah. So, right. so basically, right. since how nobody's going to take the lead except for the AR guys, that commander <laughs> got hurt, ended up in a hospital. Rumor has while he it. was there rehabbing. He went on to develop some prototypes which led to he got reassigned to a weapons factory there's like a whole movie about it guys come on and uh you know i saw that imdb that there is a kalashnikov movie is that out yes nicholas cage in it it was awesome no (laughs) no it's it's a russian Russian film it just came out like a couple months ago but i don't think you can get it here i don't know Maybe on Prime or some shit. I don't, I don't know. I don't think you can get it on undubbed. If you've got that Cody app, I think you could probably get it. Or <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you can't get it dubbed, is what I meant. Yeah. Very nice. So it's continue it. with the history of the AK4. So the, this so little this a, little Russian a, dude named Mikhail Kalashnikov. <laughs> yeah, he led an engineering team. There were other competing engineering teams. They ended up selecting his his team's design. Um, it initially came out in a stamped format um, because that's really cheap. Like they were onto something, right? Like they they really they had a good recipe and they knew it. However, they didn't have the I don't know if it was the front trunnion or the rivets or what, but something was mechanically off with that for reliability. So they went back to a milled receiver for a while, um, which 
James helped me on this, but I believe it's called a type 56. And, um, then they re released the modernized Kalashnikov in 54, if I'm not mistaken. So it was the type two, the type 56 is the Chinese milled. Um, so when they, they came out with the type two, that was their like milled version. The first milled receiver. Yeah. Yeah. So here's then, a weird thing. I have the prints for the type two and mm-hmm. in the part, in the part number, in all the prints, it has a 56 in there. Interesting. I wonder if that's where the Chinese stole the number from. I don't, yeah, maybe, maybe that's it. So yeah, that I don't geek out on the history too hard. That's in. So type two is what I was re- incorrectly okay. referring to as a 56. They come out with the Kalashnikov. Um, it is incredibly good. It's in seven, six, two 39. Um, <coughs> the, uh, Russians and Chinese fight a proxy war with the U S in Vietnam. And they see that the five, five, six round while being a complete hunk of shit, that there is an idea there. And, uh, so they, how many people, how many people have to die from a, from being shot with something before it's a good cartridge, man? (laughs) Well, no, you can totally put your eye out with one. We agree (laughs) about that, but you know, and I wouldn't want to get shot with one, but it was designed for prairie dogs. And that's about (laughs) right. That's, you know, for taking out a prairie dog, five, five, six all day long. But um, for the men, uh, there's the uh, five four five by thirty nine round that the Soviets came out with. You know that the the McNamara's whiz kids, you know, kind of adopted the five five six round and made Stoner use it. His his original idea had been the AR ten, which is a man's rifle. Um, and it sucks uh, so and they, can't run. what's that? It sucks and can't run. It well, but it was a prototype. Give the man some credit. It was never developed into a mil spec. That AR-10 was a prototype. The Air-15 was the <laughs> hunk of shit that they went to war with. At any rate, um, this the, is great. Uh, Keep going. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> this is awesome. So, so <laughs> the McNamara's whiz kids, these mathematicians that Robert McNamara used leading up to Vietnam, they realized that if you carried a lot of a small cartridge, like a twenty-two long rifle, but slightly bigger, it would you could carry a lot of ammo and put a lot of people's eyes out. And then the Soviets said, yeah, but you could do that with a better bullet and actually start killing motherfuckers. And so they came out with this awesome round called the 545 by 39. Um, And uh, it rusts. It rusts? Well, yeah. But the, the other part of that is when you compared it to prairie dogs, like you were talking about shooting men. Well, I understand that's important for an AK to do, but I mean, really... When you're talking about starving communists and child soldiers, it's about the same as shooting a prairie dog. True story. <laughs> Fair point. Well done. Uh, <clears throat> Fair point. I'll, I'll take the. Should, I'll take the L. Um, I feel like we ought to have a scoreboard. Oh, and Brian. By the way, that's Nick. I don't think y'all have met before. <laughs> Hello, sir. I, I oh. met Brian once at the. Uh, or well, I met him at the Rifle Dynamics Open House. Oh. Okay. Uh, Travis I, Haley and uh, Fuller, Fuller were there. Yeah, I knew you looked familiar. Thank you for putting, <coughs> thank you for jogging my memory. He had a 10-gallon uh, hat on, I think, probably. Oh, yeah, I had a cowboy hat on for that. <laughs> and now I hope people uh, look at the YouTube video just to see the beautiful outfits. Are you guys Are you guys married? or, or uh, <laughs> like, Just getting ready for that second uh, Revolutionary War. You know, oh, AK, guys have, AK, AK guys have uh, track suits and uh, AR guys have Hawaiian shirts. Fair so point. 
we figured we'd really rep the team tonight. Yeah. I like awesome. it. I, like I see this. no track seats, so I see no, you know, commitment at all. All right, so the five four the five four five round. Prairie dog, go go, Brian. Finish up. Finish up the history. So Soviets came out with the poison bullet, the five four five by thirty nine. They uh, shot a whole bunch of Afghans with it, and that's what they called them because they had a tiny little entrance wound and then they would fall over dead. It's a twenty one and change caliber cartridge. But they um, that over there without being shot. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay, the starving children and Soviet conscripts. We uh, that is a fair point. All of those are fair points. Um, at any rate, the that led to the AK seventy four Afghan um, seven six two thirty nine is coming back. Both are outstanding cartridges, and um, I think that the AR fifteen would step up a massive amount by adopting either one of those five fine cartridges. And um, that's that's my principal. We're getting ahead of ourselves, but that's my principal critique of the AR fifteen. And of course, tonight I'm being. Uh, for you guys out there, I'm being purposely kidding around and being uh, offensive on purpose. And so that's I, the I purpose of this show. So we're having there fun. We go. I think everybody yep. gets the gist of what we're doing here. So cool. but, continue. But, now, let's go. The only thing I have to add to that, even though okay. I am on the AK team, yes. is we Americans did do this. And we called it 300 Blackout, which is superior to all of the cartridges combined because it is all the things better than all the things. So... Soviets. I couldn't agree always, more. I never would behind. make. I would never make a nine by thirty nine rifle. I think that our all of our guns are going to be three hundred blackout by the end of the year. Totally. Very good point. Okay, now let's jump over. I, anything else, Team AK, want to add to the history? Okay, I want to correct one thing. Type fifty six did go into production in nineteen fifty six. So, if there was somebody listening that heard me say that earlier, I'm not stupid. <laughs> Cleared that up. So, so it's pretty. It's pretty good with the AKs because they stick with years with the names. So the AK forty seven, the Type fifty six, they typically stick with the years. That's what those usually. How, how many bubbles out of the whiskey bottle does he owe for that? <laughs> two <laughs> shots. You get two shots. Two, two bubble. Do it. Do it now. All right. That's not you, Garth. I'll do two bubble. I don't give a shit. <laughs> Team AR. Who wants to? Who wants to kick it off for the history? of the AR-15. And I say AR-15, it's the M-16, the AR-10, the family, how it got started. So, go. Uh, so, the AR actually, the AR-15, and what became to be known as the M-16, started life also in 1956. That was when, um, again, you know, we, we were talking about the Whiz Kids. When all these things came together, there's a man named <clears throat> Eugene Stoner who had designed the AR-10. And a little taller in stature than Mikhail Kalashnikov. Yeah, a, a little bit larger, you know, more more proper sized. And, it was also a vision from God, though. So. And uh, when when he went through this, he de he designed this, and he actually uh, so he was not a tank commander. He actually worked for a a small division of the Fairchild Aircraft Company called Armalite, and. They went through and decided to take uh, all the technological innovations that the aerospace industry was making and put them into a rifle. So when he started that, originally he started with the AR-10 trying to chamber it in something like, you know, 308 or, you know, 270 British, which was one of the other ones that was a prototype, because that was when they were going to do the run for the, the worst rifle that the, the American military has ever produced. 
And I'm so, going to get some hate for saying it. I was going to say, so it's nothing from the AK team yet? Okay, no jabs. Keep going. Nope. Wait, they're doing a pretty, pretty good job. Keep going. Because the, the worst rifle they ever produced was the M14. And uh, unfortunately, that's what the U.S. chose. And I mean, but we the M14 had... never tried to blow off a tester's hand during testing. Fact. So they had to they had to be fully accurate the whole time. Which but they're still not now, so that doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> I know they never worked. Have you ever owned a spear? We don't we don't utter the name of that company here. Sorry, I Continue. have one in the safe. Keep going, but, keep going. This is great. Uh, so after that, after they went through that and they had it in 308, then they moved on and another individual came in and took um, Mr. Uh, Stoner's design and his name was Bill Sullivan. And he went on to do many other crazy things, but what they did was then he shrunk it down. Sure wasn't Jim Sullivan? So, that was Jim, man. Jim, I'm sorry. I don't know why I was thinking Bill. Oh, <laughs> I know. Because Bill Ruger hired him to do the Emmy or the Mini 14. So yeah. I transposed that across my That's bed. That's okay. But no, uh, so Sullivan That's came through and shrunk down the uh, the AR-15 or the AR-10 to make the AR-15, which you know again everybody should know stands for Armalite Rifle 15. And, and what does the that, 15 mean? That was the model number for Armalite. Reason why it was five after the 10. And the AR-7 was actually a 22. that was a floating stock survival rifle that mm -hmm. they sold to the Air Force. Very good. Which was how they got into uh, military contracts in the first place. But after they, they went through that, so they developed this and pushed it out, they fielded it first to uh, some Green Berets going to, the military picked it up and it was first ordered, well, it was sold, the rights to make it were sold to Colt. And then it was just an off-the-shelf rifle that Colt was manufacturing, and Colt sold it to the Air Force. And the Air Force bought like a thousand of them or ten thousand of them for gate guards to use, because they were trying to get rid of the M2 carbine. So after they had done that, they said, "Oh, this looks cool," and McNamara's Whiz Kids went, "All right, we should have everybody carry the same thing, so we don't have all these different items in our MTO." And pulled back and said, we're going to buy a bunch of these. So they bought a bunch of them for the Army and the Marine Corps, and they fielded them first to uh, some Green Berets in a place that at the time was called French Indochina. And that was where they got their testing. Other people would know that as Vietnam. But uh, they, send it, they sent the original rifles over for testing, and then they said, okay, well, we've got to change some of this. So before it even got fielded, the Army said it had to change some things. And then they went completely against the designer's intent when they said, okay, well, this is what you should have for ammo and how you should do the cleaning. And they told everyone, well, we don't have that powder, but we got a bunch of this left over from making M1 Grand Rounds. So they used shitty, or shitty dirty powder and told all of the soldiers that was issued that with this Space Age rifle, you would never have to clean it. And... That was how it got a terrible rap during Vietnam. Was mainly because of bureaucratic bullshit. Well, do Leave I understand as well? That, fuck it up. You know, there's there's a really tricky thing with <clears throat> with the AR-15, and that it may have been the first rifle that mixed aluminum and steel <clears throat> in a muddy, swampy environment. 
and um, you can get this stuff called galvanic corrosion, where you make a battery when you put two dissimilar metals together, and then when you add water, you get current and electrolysis, and you get all kinds of corrosion from that. Um, that one where the one, chrome lining came from. It was okay. I was I was wondering if that if there were other parts like upper upper receiver to barrel connection or the barrel extension or whatever you deplorables call it, um, the way an AR barrel works. <laughs> if there was heavy, you're just pissed because every rifle you had to make, you had to thread that some bitch in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's cheating. Threads are we're we're actually pretty big fans of threads so i think it's a yep. i think it's a really fine way to build one but um for a, for a toy anyway no and uh and that that galvanic corrosion is what led to the eventual chrome lining of the barrels because it was going to be just on the barrel extensions which then led to another myth that permeated throughout the entire firearms industry and that was that every barrel had to be chrome lined because <sighs> they went oh the military's got chrome lined barrels this has to be good now, I don't know if you guys have listened to our show before, but we have a thing about mil spec. <laughs> um, so, I'm, I'm, I feel like I feel like you're. We don't have any in the fridge, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I am I am 19 years in the army, and uh, my wife just retired 22 years in the air guard. But uh, I have before looked up you know random things in the army supply system when I got left unattended, and. When going through those things, I there so everything in the world has a uh, a mill spec. You know, it's just the the military specification for it. So anytime you hear something is mill spec, remember that there is a mill spec beer. The uh, the mill spec beer is Coors Light. <laughs> Why so is type, that? You type need, I don't think we need to continue this, this discussion anymore. Uh, I feel like spec? we just made the point as needed. <laughs> that mill spec ain't worth a fuck. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> it's just some government official's opinion on what something should be. Well, yep. it begs the question. The military always goes to the lowest bidder. So what did they pass up on the AR? What well, were the contenders in the beer race is what I'm more, consider- <laughs> <laughs> more concerned. Was Miller High Life not a part of that? Come on. No, no, it's it's straight up. It's it's Coors Light. So that's but, in the uh, code of manuals for the for the military. Yeah, I I could I can send you the NSN for it. Okay, and it will say beer, you know, other than you know, awesome. Adolf Coors. And <laughs> I like that. That is that is one of those things that's there, and uh, that is what we say every time somebody goes, "Oh, it's mil spec." Well, you know what else is mil spec? Coors Light <laughs> is is it the NA Coors Light or is it the actual Coors Light? No, it it is the real Coors Light. There's no wow. way that would fly. You're you're really ragging on our military, man. I mean, <laughs> James, re-ask your question. I, I said, is it the NA Coors Light? No, the Light? one before that. You were asking a question before that. <laughs> what did the okay. military pass up? Oh, what did they pick over the? Um, or, uh, well, like you know, they always go to the lowest bidder. Like our, our government doesn't buy good quality shit, as you can see. I mean, they pick the AR, but um, I mean, what did they pass up to get there? Well, when we went through it in that in that test that was fielded, um, there was a ill-fated prototype of an FN that shot an intermediate cartridge, and they kind of wrote the specs so that only one rifle could win it. Because I don't know if you've ever been around any sort of government yep. contract writing. They they legitimately wrote, 
okay, it has to have all of these things. And there's only one company that produces that thing. Yeah, they still do that shit. I, yeah, I know you know who you ought to get on, uh, Marty? Who's that? Um, is you ought to get uh, Nate uh, from Frontier. Yeah, um, they've done a lot of government contract bidding. That that he he knows all the he's the person who taught me about the procurement process. Well, I had Glock and, on, and we talked about it a little bit um, when they were going through the the uh, the pistol contract that Sig beat him out on. And we talked a little bit about it on that episode. Yeah, that, contract, that that whole profile was written for the SIG before it even began. Exactly. Yeah. They have to accept. They have to accept other ones to say it was a fair competition, even though it was written for the SIG before it even came in. Which, by the way, is the worst gun I think SIG has ever fucking made. Well, back in the day, in in 1986, when the Beretta came in, the uh, the SIG actually won all of that to go down the 226, beat out the Beretta in every single contest. It was just uh, one colonel in the Pentagon liked the way the Beretta looked. So he called the executive at Beretta and told them like how to change it. They went from a steel frame to an aluminum frame and changed some other stuff up and got it to where they would come in at a price lower than SIG. And that's the reason why the United States wound up with the Beretta. It's too bad they didn't change that coating on the inside of the magazine in the process, right? Yeah. So this 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 last pick was just a makeup call then. <laughs> That's why they picked the SIG to make it up to him for the Beretta. <laughs> Dude, don't even can we change the subject? Yep. You're gonna change my blood pressure's going up. <laughs> See, this is what we're talking about. We get talking about the the SIG pistol and then we start talking about the other company that's in Illinois. Um, and we can get we can get Curtis fired up pretty yeah, quick. I speaking like of that though, like he going back to James's that question, though, that that's going to get me fired. When up. were the Israelis doing the Galil? Because if we passed up the Galil for the uh, for the M4 or the M16, then we did fuck up. No, we we did not do that. Okay, um, that that's one of those where we went through it. It was the spec was written and. It wasn't quite where they had the Pedersen device stuff going on yet, but there were a couple other, like Winchester had a, uh, a 270, like a smaller version of a 27 caliber mm-hmm. that they entered into it. That was ostensibly a M2 that was scaled up to take a larger round and, you know, to a more intermediate round than what the, uh, the M2 carbine had. And there was one other one, but I can't remember the full test off the top of my head. Okay. So okay, that's a so good history. My previous statement, just for anybody, yeah. um, the Galil was until the late sixties. Late sixties. So, yeah. So we're, we're 10 years out. Oh yeah. The yeah. Chinese have a, uh, have an expression though, that the best time to plant a tree was 30 years ago. The second best time is today. And uh, it is still not too late for the U.S. government to correct their ways and at least do a Galil in 5.56, which has been around for forever. Just saying. There are ways for for the world to get better. And if you're listening, U.S. government, I can be reached at Jeremy G. (laughs) (laughs) I will say something. Speaking of that, if you have ever shot, has everybody here shot the Galil in 5.56, the the ace that IWI is doing? Has everybody shot that thing? The Not cyclic the- rate on that thing is retarded, okay? Like, it is so, 
I'm, What's the I'm, rating I'm, on it, Jeremy? Fast. I don't know. Fast. <laughs> fast as fuck. Eight hundred, a thousand. What is it? It's it's quick, man. But it's, it's faster than M16. Okay. Yeah, it's it's but it's controllable by a lot. Um, if you're coming to Clash Bash or Red October, we bring the 21 ends with us. And uh, Curtis shot the 8.3, and then now we have the the crazy part is I don't know why we never brought in the 13 inch Galils, but we're bringing them in now, and that and the machine gun, good time too. When Jeremy is at a trade show, there are very few guns that I actually want to shoot at a trade show. I walk over to where IWI is and like. Did you bring the Galil and 5.56 auto? And did you bring the Negevs? That's what I want. In any caliber. In any caliber. I don't care, right? (laughs) You're going to have the Negevs at Kalash Bash? If you really want to get my blood pressure going, why we haven't switched? The only reason we haven't switched to the Negev is politics. Politics plays 100% on everything that that goes on. So let's, let's move on. Let's get to... Are you done with the history? Let me ask you that. Anything else you want to add to the um, history, to the AR? Well, so going through there and adding the chrome line barrel gets us pretty much into that. Then we can move into the 80s and uh, where we started to modify it more. We shortened the barrel. Actually, this again came from the Vietnam War where to get in and out of vehicles, some of the Special Forces group ordered them with shorter barrels. So that brought in the CAR-15, which was Colt Automatic, Rif- Colt Automatic Rifle 15 that had a collapsible stock and they were a goofy-looking collapsible stock, not the traditional one you see now. Um, currently still in service with the, the military, you have M16s and M4s. Uh, initial issuing of the M16 and M4 had a 20-inch barrel. And now issuing for most civilians, you'll find, or well, the most common variant would be a 16-inch barrel. And the military's is a 14 and a half, but because... Uh, Somebody says you can't have that. We have a 16-inch. And then, the, correct me if I'm wrong. Weren't the original ones also like one in 14 twist? One in, awesome. 12. Okay, one, one in 12. One They were a one in 12 twist, <clears throat> and it shot a like the the bullet weights. Every everything ballistically was wrong. Like it, they were just the original M16 was just dumb, and then they moved on to the A1 before it ever got fielded yeah. because they realized that they were going to be shooting a little faster and stuff like that. So, and, and even though I'm on the AK team, you have to remember that when they were adopting these rifles, when they were trying to put them in, we had just gotten our shit packed in by the Chinese in Korea. Okay. So like they had just, we, we were doing great work, but then they just, when you'd march a million people into the and thing. What and rifle were the Chinese using? Uh, at the time, it would have been Mosin's. Yeah. It didn't matter what gun they had. It, it, there were so many of them. We were, were literally could not put out enough bullets. So they came. that's where the idea of a rifle that has decent accuracy but also has the ability to put out a wall of lead rather rapidly was like, hey, we can carry lots of bullets. We can we can put out a lot of a lead at once. That's kind of one of the overshadowing things that I think was left out of the AR history here was yep. hey, we we got a problem, and that is now we're fighting wars against people that will literally throw walls of bodies at us, and we can't machine gun them fast enough. We need real firepower in the hands of every 
soldier because at the time you know we're using full rifle cartridges we were using the grand and um there was i i believe the BAR. The, huh the bar the bar and i think there were some there were some um 30 carbines and some um initial feelings of the 14 um and, and things like that. but for the most part you're eight rounds in your gun and yeah, and you also had the Thompsons and things like that. You know, all those sort of holdovers from World War II. That was a very strange age where we had all this mishmash of weaponry. Transitional without, period, yeah. Transitional period. We got we just came off of a major World War. We got all these different calibers, all this different shit everywhere. None of it works with itself. And I think you touched on that briefly. And we're literally don't have enough bullets to put in the air. And that's kind of one of the things where they kind of went, hey. Let's fix that. And it sounded, I mean, in that context, it sounds like a really damn good idea. Yeah, that was right after the, the Chosin Reservoir is where yes. you're talking about. Exactly. Where they, they came walking in and they were literally throwing hand grenades in waves. Uh, Clint Smith has a video where he talks about it and he it's talked about called, meeting a couple of little It's called Little Quilted Jackets. It's my favorite yep. video on YouTube, period. Yep. <laughs> Talk about it. And thank Christ you have a 30 odd six. <laughs> because it just pops those little quilted jackets, but it's right on you. <laughs> um, no, that was very much so that, and also that also changed a lot with how the United States military did their training doctrine. Well, it's even after uh, World War One and World War Two, they started to change it to shooting at uh, humanoid silhouette targets to make it easier. Because while they'd always practiced marksmanship, it was overcoming the psychological effect of having someone actually shoot at another human. Good points. So, does that wrap up your history? Anything else you want to add? Yep. No, that'll that'll wrap That's up. That's a good I history. Good job. I... Very good. Very good. Well, we wanted to keep it brief, but that's good. I mean, those are those are points that to to win your argument, you need to make. So, let's get into some uh, some of the battle topics here, and let's get into the manufacturing differences between the AR and the AK. Who wants to start us off? AK team AK. Let's go team AK. We just talked about the AR. So let's talk about the benefits of the AK manufacturing um, that you see over the AR. Well, Curtis is laughing because he's a manufacturer and I'm a manufacturer. And he called me up one day and said, I built 50 guns today. And I said, go fuck yourself. (laughs) You say that a lot. You told me that last episode, too. That's, well, that's not know. true. He it's a term of endearment, Marty. Like you know, you got to become a real friend before I'll no, tell it, you to go. No, it wouldn't have been yourself. a it wouldn't have been a good show without that. So, I <laughs> um, he assembled them, and they might not all work. No, they were all. They were not only were they all manufactured in one day, but they were PM'd and test fired all in one day, and they functioned flawlessly. How many came Thank back? Thank you very much. How many were returned? AK side or what? I do fit. I don't just put them together. I How many were returned? Curtis, you have made more pro AR comments in this podcast. I'm not saying that you I'm not saying that that you before we continue, I want to hear you say one cool thing about the AK so I know you're still like halfway centered. (laughs) Um, okay, okay. So the one of the great things about the AK was the cartridge that they chose for the original fielding. And I suppose carrying over to the the um, the seventy four fielding has a tapered cartridge. Okay, and, cool. Uh, Let's carry on. Okay, 
So we're done. So back to the manufacturing. We're going to get to the cartridges. Keep your powder dry, Kurt, because this is that's where. Yeah, don't be a fucking traitor anymore. Um, and so, uh, manufacturability, I would say, it takes craftsmen to build a fine AK, and all you need is peasant labor for an AR. So that makes the AK better. That sounds soundly sound or strangely anti-communist. Let's talk about the the barrel um, specifically in the manufacturing process, the AR versus AK. The difference there. There's no difference in a shotgun barrel and an AK barrel, if you think about it. I mean, they both shoot men at a building, so um, you might as well go that route with it. So, wait, well, actually, Jeremy for a second, to go ahead and like make sure too. that my AK brothers here are still okay here. Um, Jeff Kirkham went out and did a fair amount of field testing when he was in SF, dealing specifically in the AK because the the, the misnomer at the time was that the AK-47 was a horribly inaccurate uh, rifle. The problem came with the, with the tactics that were used to employ the rifle, and you had a bunch of basically stupid people that would do the da 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 da, -da, -da when they would do no, no No wonder you're not going to shoot shit, all right? If for those listening, Curtis was holding his hands over his head, <coughs> pretending he had an AK. That's called right, the that's a very, very sexual gesture while I was doing it. <laughs> it was nice. However, that around everyone the Somali in the squat. Yes, it, that, <laughs> right? If you get it up, that is what you will see. Um, however, I am. I think what Kurt is saying is if you don't use sights, it doesn't matter what gun you have, they're all inaccurate. Yes. However, exactly. so a really good example is I had a manufacturer out here this past year who manufactures a gun 762 by 39. We were testing a gun that had over 150,000 rounds through it, and the barrel was all eight out. But one of the standards that they brought for comparison was an AK-47 that had a not a similar round count, about 85K on it. And the idea was like, hey, you know, but check it out compared to an AK. So I literally slid the sight up to 400 yards where the target was, and I squeezed one round off, and I hit the target right in the center, and everybody's like, shit. And I immediately acted like I was a boss, but then immediately got up and said that I was done, and I was not <laughs> for it. Um, um, but the, the rifles have been proven to be uh, accurate rifles. They just have to be used properly, and I think a real misunderstanding of how the rifle is supposed to be used, as well as Field experience led to the um, led to the initial conception that the AK was an improper rifle as far as accuracy concerned, and that uh, will have a lot of people call it a machine gun first and a rifle second when it has all the capabilities of a rifle. I have several AKs that I can hit um, man-sized targets at 400 yards with at zero properly. I actually have one that's zeroed specifically for 400 yards for the purposes of a, like a parlor trick, but that's beside the point. Um, they are very accurate rifles when used properly. However, you do have to admit that the standard manufacturing processes of the, um, the U S market um, lend themselves more to AK or ARs than they do proper manufacture of AKs. I would submit to anybody who has a question on the accuracy AK or swears, swears to no end that it's inaccurate, to ask themselves honestly if they would be willing to stand 500 yards downrange of one. That's a good question to ask. So we're going to avoid the manufacturing uh, question here and just get into the... 
to the well no i i, I can't speak i have not manufactured an ak so brian would have is brian the only one who manufactures ak's in here like by hand i mean I, jeremy I, I rivet them together and stuff, but I mean, I don't machine. Parts well, you know, you know the, the general process that goes into absolutely yeah. the, the making of, of the AK. There's so. a there's a lot more going into the AK, as Brian talked about. Like, it, there's a lot going into it, and if it's built well, it can hold its own with some of the best. And when you say there's a but, lot going into it, what do you mean? Because it has fewer parts. You know, there's fewer well, part counts on an AK than an AR, which I see that as a positive. Spe- specialized tooling. You need specialized tooling to do it. You're not going to take a couple tools in your garage and just screw and bolt it together. You're pressing, you're using hydraulic presses. You need, um, you know, you're doing grinding, cutting, hand fitting of, of parts. Um, and, and I would back up one comment you made was about uh, like a, a well-built gun you can build an AK bad and still work. There's people in caves doing this stuff in other countries. Um, the AK is a unique design in that regard, that a bad AK is still a fighting gun. It's not as good as a good AK, but it'll still stack bodies. And that's that's been happening. 250,000 people a year die at the end of an AK. Well, it's the like pushing in where you're pressing in trunnions and you don't have those things. It's it's easier to manufacture a bad or inaccurate one generally just because it's tighter or not tighter tolerances, but the way it's assembled. It's not a locked in. It's So would you say that the AK is more forgiving from a bad build than an AR? What well, is your I think standard? I think I think that's a tough standard? question. I have a yeah, I have a tough question on that because are we talking about today in 2021 or are we talking 10 years ago? Because there's a lot of Bubba outfits kicking out really random parts today in the AR market that depending on what you're grabbing and slapping together, there's a I mean there's are a lot of bolts I wouldn't trust. Are we talking about an Anderson build with a Bear Creek? I want you guys to work it uh, out. You tell me. I was was not going to name drop anybody here, but (laughs) I would say (laughs) let's go back 12 years. Okay. I I would say yes, but by today's standard, absolutely not. So, like, that's where it is where AK has kind of got a bad rep as well 10, 12 years ago from the the IO and the, at the time, Century was also producing them where, like, the trunnions would melt by looking at them or leaving them in a car. Uh, like, <laughs> for days where that was really bad. <laughs> yep. That's a little exaggerated, however, fair. I, I feel like there's a lot of AR bolts like that today. <laughs> there are. There are quite a lot of, uh, as, some, as somebody who has gone through and tested every single bolt that he has purchased, for putting in a a rifle, uh, a production rifle, there's a lot of shitty bolts out there. Um, now, I do want to go back one thing. Are we sure that there are fewer parts on an AK than there are an AR? Brian? Well, I I don't touch ARs. Uh, they are, uh, they're just, yeah. Not like, without gloves anyways. Not without gloves and a, and a and a shower with the flea dip nearby. Um, I don't. I'd have to think about that. I suspect that break there down are a bolt a bolt carrier group on a an AR versus a an AK. Break down the um, 
There's a lot of the uppers. I, I, the I lowers, feel like we would have springs. to go down and t- because you talk about the you're triggers. talking about rivets. You're talking about sp- there's sp- the rivets, the springs, the rails. Mm-hmm. Let me let me they're... put it this way: fewer moving parts. No, oh, uh, I don't think that's that's not what you said. Okay, I'm backing it up. Fewer moving parts. Are there? I think there's the same number of moving parts. I don't know. Break it down for me. Okay, so in an AK, uh, you've got the the bolt, and the bolt has two oh, pins in it. No, and the, Kurt, I'll take you right here. Sorry, take down pins and dust covers on an AR have more parts in them than in the whole AK on its own. <laughs> there we go. No, I, I really don't think so. I Thank really you. don't think so. Well, how many, how many fucking parts are in a takedown pin? Like three? The takedown pin? <laughs> yeah, the take, AR-15 has you two takedown pins, right? Pins, yeah. Yes, but yeah, yeah, you have those there, but then you have a rivet. How many rivets are in an AK? Oh, depends on the AK. Well, no, you got the, the, the six up front, the bullet guide makes seven. There's, there's two, two in the rear. There's, we're talking there's, there's two pins times three parts. I'm pretty sure that's 12. Well, no, now dust cover. There's like 30 parts in an AR dust cover. Right. I was being facetious. The three, <laughs> three, three times two is not 12, Brian. God. Uh, maybe we have no, more math going on there. there. Sorry. Count it out later and then post it on the social that's, media. That's so what I'm saying. I'm pretty, sure, I'm pretty sure if you break I'm pretty sure that the AK... I'm confident that the AK has more parts than they are, actually. Okay, it so for a manufacturing question, more parts than the AR, you're saying, okay? I'm, I'm convinced. I'd have to sit down and number oh. them individually. But I think there may be more parts than an AK. Curtis, we definitely need to have a war on this is good. This is social media gold for us to take to uh, another time. So <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. This is not the place. Yeah. I mean, down. Okay. So let's move on. Are we still on manufacturing differences? Or that, are we on? We're going to move on unless you got something to add to the manufacturing I, differences. I, no, I kind of do just in that, that the, in, from my perspective, you, you okay. get a, you go through all the pain on the manufacturing side. It's way harder and nastier and grosser to make an AK. But yep. you've got a bolt for the life of the gun. You don't have to think about replacing a bolt. Very rarely do you replace even a single spring. So you kind of just have like Clint talks about get one gun and then don't get spare parts. Get another gun exactly like the first one. That works really well on on AKs, but with ARs, it's like, yeah, you need all those different springs and bolts and and all that stuff, and and there is more maintenance on them. So, you know, I think you, it's sort of a draw overall in my mind. In that, yeah, well, it's a lot more work. Go, so go, let's go to the say, maintenance part of that. You you hit a good a good topic there. So that's a good transition into the ease of the maintenance. So talk about uh, the differences there. On AKs, it's hit with shovel, rifle work fine, <laughs> but you know it's there is a little bit more than that. You you do. Ha- I can honestly say I don't clean my rifles probably near as much as I should, especially since they're almost all always suppressed, which uh, is really easy to do on a modern AR. I don't know, but or, um, you know, some AKs it works well with, but it is it is hard to do with 
with many others because that whole concentric thread thing. Um, but uh, shooting, shooting them suppressed as they come back, you know, with the, but if you the compare they- the the original A A R or M sixteen to the original A K, was it was it easily suppressed back yeah. in the day? Yeah, you, you'd you'd screw that three prong flash hider off, and as long as you had the right thread pitch. Granted, technology or you know the suppressor technology wasn't that great, but yeah, it, it would very easily run. True. Yeah, you're limited on the cans back then too. No, it it would have very easily ran if you'd have screwed it on. So. Well, and on, and on Kalashnikovs, yeah, thread concentricity is a major challenge. It's something we've done a lot of work on to to get easy over on our side. Um, and there's some fundamental architecture differences that make suppressor mounting in the Western style very difficult on an AK um, versus an AR. However, <clears throat> Soviet um, suppressors have been you know, around for forever. They have a bigger front hole and, uh, you know, that, that solves all the problems more or less. Um, but yeah, totally. In terms of using Kurt, Kurt is wincing a little bit, but he needs to remember whose team he's on right now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you weren't on earlier when I said it's okay to jump teams. So Uh, so I I am a suppressor snob. But it brings me back to what I was asking earlier. Are we doing military versus civilian, past versus present? Because silencers, as far as the military application in the 50s, not really a player versus today in the civilian sector. And you also have to remember that suppressor technology at the time was basically a degradative device. They didn't have – well, they did have, but they – it wasn't as prevalent or as cheap to run a CNC machine then as it was – now so the idea basically back then is you had a medium that a bullet would fire through and today we call these wipes and usually they're made out of neoprene or some kind of other rubber-esque material that the bullet then burns through and it creates the seal now we have precision machining so we get really close to the to the bullet without ever touching it and disrupting its flight path and therefore the suppressor doesn't degrade really over its time so if you've got a rifle suppressor, it's good for 100,000 rounds. And that's the reason why a lot of rifle suppressors aren't even used as serviceable, because there's no really need to do so. Unless you're going to shoot that kind of volume, then for the most part, uh, because we don't touch the bullet, the, the actual suppressor itself doesn't really degrade. Versus at the time, suppressor technology was not up to the par that it is today by any stretch of the imagination. So we're talking about two completely different games between the 50s and 60s versus 2020 yeah. regions. Yeah. Or even or even like 90s, really. And, and this is good because I like 90s. you guys reaching back and comparing you know, the originals to where we are today, you know, bring us up to speed. So this is good. I like you, you going yep. back and, and – Even pushing into the, into the 60s, some of the silencers they used then um, – well, obviously, you know, the, the first silencer was made by Hiram Maxim, and it was a gun muffler because he went on to, you know, Maxim silencers for the Ford Model A and used them for small engines using the same exact technology. I mean, he gave one to Teddy Roosevelt to shoot behind his house, you know, and, and that was something that, you know, was like, oh, here's this. I know the, the Winchester Museum in uh, Cody has one of Teddy Roosevelt's silenced lever actions. but uh, Very cool. Going on with those, 
So, like, the K-baffle existed. It just wasn't in common use because of that machining time. Now, there were other um, kind of the more cheaply made, like what you would consider now type silencers, which are spacers and washers is the easy way to look at it. I mean, you can take a, uh, a steel tube and a bunch of fender washers and, you know, get a chop saw out and make a, you know, serviceable silencer out of that. Allegedly. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can. Um, and the reason why I, I kind of framed it the way that I did is those devices did exist. And that if you can, you can look at the way he designed them. And this isn't really about silencers. So I didn't want to go like really into that. But basically, they were not nearly as effective as the technology that was the burn through suppressors. And that's the reason they created the burn through suppressors is when you were talking about military applications of the burn through suppressors, you really got like 10 rounds before they really started to suck versus the fender washer design cans sucked all the time. Correct. So. And you mentioned Teddy Roosevelt. I put a picture of it up there. Yeah. If there, if there's gun pictures that give me boners, (laughs) that sort of shit. Right. I saw your desk rise a little bit there. Yeah. When you got an 1894 with a can on it, like that's what's not to love. Yeah. Especially since if you look at them, like that design had the, the, the hang down, like the drop down beneath the bore to get the volume of that silencer co does way before it was cool. Yeah. It's not cool now. It sucks, but you know, whatever. Um, (laughs) it's a terrible idea. Um, (laughs) sorry. I'm very, I'm, I'm, we should change topics. Um, All right, let's move on. So <laughs> the hang down gave my boner. We got to change topics. So let's go I back to it starts right over here about the time that you start doing that sort of shit. Let's move to the um, uh, durability. Let's let's go to the durability AK versus the AR. Um, start off with the AR durability. What state your case for the durability of the AR over the AK? Now, so, gentlemen, I just want to start off by saying that you can surrender now without loss of face. <laughs> just kind of throw that out there. If you if you say one word, though, it's we're going scorched earth on you. All right, please proceed. Let them state their case, and then and then we'll let you state your case. Okay, I, I understand that, and I know that the number one thing that everyone says is a problem with the AR system is that you shouldn't shit where you eat because <laughs> with the way it's used, the way the direct impingement system works versus the uh the you know, the short stroke piston of the AR when you oh, sure. AK whatever like when you run it back it the AR actually uses its bolt carrier group as the piston to push everything back like that's the easiest way to arguably say that so as that gas comes back and pushes it pushes all a lot of the carbon down into and around the chamber area so you can have increased fouling if you use shitty powders or, uh, you know, don't maintain because I have you know, thousands of rounds on rifles that I rarely clean, but I don't send them back to the manufacturers like certain other people do. Mm. I just generally run a gun till it quits. And then I take it apart, throw it in the ultrasonic cleaner and go, well, we'll put this back together and it'll run. Any other AR teams want to add to that? I mean, I I agree with that. I mean, I've shot 
these M4s, I mean, I actually used to work for Armalite and was a VP of sales there as well. And the amount of guns we would get back from team shooters or uh, social media YouTube people, cough, cough. Um, they, uh, He's looking at you, Curtis, not me. <laughs> um, I mean, if they even started to remotely choke, you just, I mean, break cleaner and keep going. I mean, they continue to keep chugging. But I mean, I, I know where the AK guys are going, so I'll, Listen, they're chomping the I, bit. I even had to get a replacement bolt from Armalite from my AR50A1 because I shot enough 50 cal ammunition through it to to foul it. And I called Jeremy and said this was not my job to to do this, so he had to send me a new bolt, and I wouldn't shoot the gun anymore. So I put a I put a bolt in a box. And sent shipped it to him, and I'm convinced that he just took it out and had his underling clean it and sent it back to me. I should have probably written on it with marker <laughs> at the time, but that's that's an old school school story. Um, He's not going to tell you what he did. <laughs> yeah. Um, however, the thing about and this is gonna this is gonna play on both teams here for a second, okay? Because while I do really love the AK for its longevity. The AR was specifically designed with a self-destruct mechanism so that it would not destroy any of the critical components and could be rapidly fixed. And that is the gas tube. The gas tube almost always blows out before any of the other critical components break. And that is and is not a good thing. It is good when you're thinking about the context that we went to as far as the guns needing serviced after a massive firefight where you're talking about spraying thousands of rounds of Chinese crossing a river it is not necessarily a good idea when you talk about how the guns are dealing with fouling because that is... So they're conceding already, Team AK, so... <laughs> I am on the AK team. I'm on the AK team. Yeah, but, yeah. But I'm being a realist here that I they think you're on it. both teams. You're not. They built a failsafe into the system because they knew that it's like, hey, this is the this is the critical shortcoming. Versus when you talk about the AK guys, right? As I'm supposed to be on the AK team here, they're like, no, rifle is fine. It is okay. We just ignore it, and you're only going to shoot the few rounds before you're shot anyway. And then your friend is pick up rifle. So, like, the the quality of life thing argument kind of rolls into kind of how the, the weapons were fielded versus like how they were meant to be maintained. There, there's a, there's a continuum there. There's an intersection of, of how the rifles were designed to be used. And so then how, I get into philosophy of use and we'll talk about yeah, that. Yeah. But, but yeah, I'm yeah. not trying to jump the gun here. Yeah. All right. Any more, <laughs> so somebody, you got a, AR guys got any more arguments for your side on the durability? You good? You, run you know, Rifle's durable. It does have that uh, that's you know fail safe factor. It's kind of like uh, drinking in it or shotgunning a bottle of Jack Daniels. By the time you're you're drunk enough to do something like that, other parts won't work, so that you can't do that. Um, <laughs> I like that analogy. That's good. That's actually <laughs> anytime you bring so Jack Daniels into the conversation, told me that you're a, a winner, young man. I probably would have made fewer fewer mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Team AK. Go. All right. So for AK, I think, uh, you know, you guys basically already acknowledged that it's probably far superior in the durability, reliability game. But 
Uh, not saying the AR is not durable or reliable, but um, I think you know the tapered case on the AK platform tends to uh, really be advantageous for the durability. Um, and I think on the AR platform, it really has to do. I mean, I, I don't even think you can even try to compare them unless you can vet every single part in today's AR. I keep going back to this today versus 10 years ago because mm-hmm. there's a reason I'm you have switched. To. You have to. There's a reason I've switched. Oh. There, There's just so much shit out there. I don't know where to even get all enough quality parts to make one good, reliable rifle. Um, the AR that I, I carry with me most places uh, is, is like the last of the, of the era and that particular rifle in multiple classes now mind you these classes that i'm referencing were all at the same gun range in las vegas so uh setting it down during lunch some dirt getting in it just blown around from the from the day going back out first couple reps out and it's jamming and so you know i'm have to switch to my ak to finish the class so situations like that have constantly cropped up over the years for me and it's a rifle that i know is completely vetted with good parts that like it's a no no contest for me ak just seems to always work when i need it to work like i paid money to be in a class i want it to work in the class uh so those are my experiences on the ak as far as reliability i'll let brian take it away with all the nerd science on it because (laughs) i mean he'll he'll go deep into what everybody already kind of knows but uh but I mean, explain the whys. couldn't you also argue that reliability can't be mistaken for over gas and under sprung in the AK? I mean, every AK I've ever shot has been over gas. They're, they're built sloppy for a reason, though. And if you get a precision tuned one that's not over gassed, like an Occam, it's still going to be excitingly reliable. So there's one thing that I wanted before Brian really takes it away. Cause I'm sure that he's, he's going to, he's Joe. Oh, he's ready to go. Yeah. Look at him. <laughs> I, the, the thing that I wanted, that I really wanted to kind of go back and, or what wanted to point back to something that we talked about as far as the, the AR is concerned is I believe that the AK um, was a marrying of the cartridge and the system by which it runs on versus the AR was designed to do the thing, which was basically, hey, make it look cool and do all the cool space age shit that we want it to do with all the cool materials and stuff. And oh, by the way, use this cartridge, right? With this powder and don't deviate, right? So the the AK is really a, a from the ground up, hey, this is the cartridge. They created a new cartridge for it. Or, well, not, no, they didn't. They were using the cartridge that had already kind of been standardized for the the, that era of transitional weaponry for the purposes of being able uh, to have that tapered case. And then basically they built this gun that was designed to use the tapered system. And it alleviates a lot of the problems, for instance, um, in my experience, for instance, using brass casings, which a lot of people argue um, for brass use in ARs, Using a brass casing can actually reduce your reliability in some AK types because hey. there's too much ductility in the in the in the system, and it was never designed to handle that sort of thing. So sometimes you get worse performance with better ammunition in AKs, specifically because of the the issues associated with you're now mucking with the heart of the system. Okay, I'm going to cut you off because you're getting into some other stuff. So, Brian, durability. 
<laughs> Sorry. And, and, no, it's good. I mean, it, no, it's for, good stuff, but you're just jumping ahead. I love it. No, I, I wanted to loop back, you know, at the risk of beating a dead horse, because a lot of us, you know, know the about the the tapered thing, but I'm just going to go through it from first principles very briefly. The, um, the five, five, six round is technically a tapered cartridge. And you see that in the very slight curvature of an AR magazine. And so it is not, it is not technically a straight wall casing, but it may as well be that angle is, is very small. And, uh, Marty's holding up two, two here. And, and the reason that the banana mag on an AK is banana shaped is because that's the, the angle that's formed by stacking up or the arc that's formed by stacking up a whole bunch of cartridges. And yeah, so you can imagine if you had a slip fit, if you had two very precisely honed pieces of metal where one was like a pencil and the other was like a tube, um, and you can imagine that if those two were perfectly clean and you had half a thousandth of interference between the two, you know, which is a, a fifth, uh, the thickness of a sheet of typing paper, that that thing would just drop down nice and easy and glide right through. And of course, if we put a, a three thousandth diameter grain of sand in there somehow, that it would lock up, you know, tighter and whatever compare it tighter and whatever you want to say, uh, uh, and it would it would bind up really good. Conversely, you can imagine a uh, conical shape like a pyramid, but in a circle like the tip of a pencil going into a pencil sharpener. You're going to be able to, if there's that same three thousandths diameter grain of sand inside the pencil sharpener, you're only going to encounter that sand at the last instant when the cartridge is going home. And so you're not requiring the the cartridge to grind past that piece of sand the the entire length down the down the chamber and so when we talk about the ak being a tapered cartridge um that's that's what we're talking about and the the 74 has less taper to it um and is slightly less reliable anecdotally um in my humble opinion and uh so the um that's the taper thing, and that's not really the fault of the AR-15. That's the fault of the U.S. government. And so, you know, I, that the AR-15 kind of doesn't have a chance with the round that it's running. Um, so <clears throat> with regard to gassing, another big advantage of the AK is that the mass of the bolt carrier is very high, and that cuts both ways because when you're overgassed in the way that Jeremy was describing – the majority of felt recoil in an AK is actually the bolt carrier having way too much speed on it, compressing that spring all the way and ramming into the rear trunnion, which is connected to the stock, which is connected to your shoulder. And that's one reason that we try to moderate our gas to be in a sweet spot where you're reaching the end, but the bolt carrier is moving very slowly when it gets there. Um, yeah. But and with the AR, it's lighter. It has lower recoil. That's a major advantage from a performance standpoint. Um, however, it pays for it in reliability. And so there's a trade-off there where nobody's exactly right and nobody's exactly wrong. You're optimized in different ways. And so, like being able to do a faster follow-up shot. You know, Paul Howe. I took a class from him, and he dropped a bunch of knowledge in that. Worth training with him. Um, and he said that he planned on using three good hits on um, a uh, an enemy to service him is the the uh, term that that Paul used very um, 
uh, surgically, or it, it's a very uh, yeah sanitized term, but that's how he that's how he describes it. So you know, three good hits on target. There's some wisdom in that. That if you can get a real fast two follow up rounds, you can seal the deal. And so you're sort of doing a shotgunning approach if you're a high end shooter. Um, so that's not wrong. But you know, our uh, several of our several several of us have James Yeager as a friend here, and he likes to talk about the AK being like a hatchet and the AR being like a scalpel. And you wouldn't want to do surgery with a hatchet, and you wouldn't want to cut brush with this with a scalpel. And so they they really are. You know, in, in deference to the AR-15 folks, they're very different things, optimized very differently. Um, the AK, one of the ways to really make it unhappy is to let it go dry. And so that is one of the secrets, in my opin opinion, to, to keeping an AK running well is to just keep it wet. And that's about all you got to do. There's also lots of open space inside the AK receiver where fouling can go. So you can sometimes have... You know, through freak occurrences, you'll have rounds from another shooter going into the ejection port of an AK or some, you know, a round will bounce off and go back into the AK action and the thing will keep running for a while. And um, so it, it there's lots of open space. I also had a, a, a gun come back where the um, customer said that the firing pin was was fused. And so I'm like, okay, send me back the bolt. You know, maybe there's a burr. Maybe the metallurgy was wrong on the firing pin. I haven't really seen a failure that way, but I was thinking that could be it. Get the bolt open. And there's like 30 or 40 primer, um, little brass primer cookies. And the, the, the rounds were so overpressured that they had extruded the primer into the firing pin channel. And the gun had continued to function for 30 or 40 rounds. I was never able to get all the little leaves of... It had been hammered so that a bunch of them had been hammered really flat in all kinds of weird ways. And the gun ran for forever while still having really junky ammo in it. Um, and uh, let's see, you know, that's that's the high points on it, I think, for in favor of the AK for reliability um, is, is those aspects. Did anybody disagree with that? I, I would just add that I've seen I've seen the pictures that Brian has talked about. And it's, I was, uh, I've shot a lot of guns. I've shot a lot of ammo through a lot of guns. And I was actually very impressed is <laughs> the only way that I could put it. When I saw the pictures of like, there are not a lot of guns of any type that can take that sort of thing. And part of the, part of that extra space built into the AK does allow for that extra stuff to, continue to allow the gun to operate however it does leave extra space for some things to happen right like you can't you can't ghost a piece of gravel into your ar-15 right it'll immediately stop okay you might be able to ghost a piece of gravel into your ak for a little while and then it finally gets into the right spot and shuts it down is really what it kind of comes down to yeah. so there's a there's a play in there all right, so AK wins durability, we would say. Anybody argue with that? With one caveat, and I think this is very, very important to make this distinction before we progress any farther in the discussion, and that is AK wins durability as long as the pro the parts are properly manufactured. Sure, and that that's just a given. That's a given assumption that we're assuming here. Yeah, not really. I think what he's saying is, as long as Americans didn't make them, then 
Brian, we're good. Brian, that's and it's, a it part. is a tr- so. Uh, let me let me. <laughs> I, I don't think this is the right time to address that actually, because no. that gets really into the price point of things, and everybody expects a price point for a rifle, and the bottom line is a an American made AK has to cost more. All right, we're yep, going to move on 100%. now. Let's go to um, caliber options. And, you know, you were talking about the 762 by 39 being, you know, the reliability of that, the taperedness, the AK shoots that. Well, the AR can shoot that also. Yeah, but it sucks. So, yeah, it really AR does. team. They are talking about caliber, and not just the set. It shoots. There, are, there's a plethora of different calibers that the AR. So let's can, just take 762 by 39 because that's going to be the most common when people are talking about AKs today. Most AKs are going to be in 762 by 39, especially as far as the availability of ammunition is concerned. Okay. I think the 762 by 39 versus 556 because if you get into any of the outside rounds, I mean, these guns can shoot nine and stuff too. But who cares? Well, yeah, like, we're but, talking but, about the two I mean, main. Specifically said that. Like if yeah, you look at how the AR-15 is designed, it's not designed to shoot the a, the 762 by 39 round. It it is not. That's Up until two years ago, when C products specifically set out to manufacture an upgraded 2019 pattern 762 by 39 magazine, did nobody address the problems associated with a direct insertion? 762 by 39 magazine and that was it, the gun is not built up spatially to, to handle that feed angle and because of that they've always been plagued with many with uh, reliability issues and i don't care if you're listening you're like oh my 762 by 39 ak or ar works great i was like yeah go shoot 10,000 rounds through it and tell me how it works after that like it it they're not designed to be able to handle that tapered nature of the cartridge because the feed angles are completely different when you're talking about a, a the way the magazine stacks into the into the feed ramps de- dependent on the the um, the line of of the uh, the excuse me the angle of attack of the bolt carrier right that system was never designed to be able to handle those rimmed cartridges that way and that's really what it comes down to. So, so if you're just um, if you're just comparing sim six two by three nine, then point made the AR not designed well for that round. No, but there are other rounds that it will shoot and shoot shoot well that the the AK at this point has not been designed to do. I guess we haven't seen, uh, but but there are more and more coming out. I mean, we've seen fifty cal AKs come out. You know, we've got the the um, five four. Um, five four five thirty nine by, by three nine. You've got the there's a they even shoot uh, five five six. There's some AKs that will shoot the five five six. I've seen that. Yeah, but that's so. What's that's your experience stupid. with those shooting the the five five six out of the it's AK? Yeah. You can say it was stupid. AK is seven six two by thirty nine. So, um, if, if it's not seven six two or five four five, it's not an AK. Throw that shit away. So get the, a, you're like, a purist. The, Here's the oh, here's the thing though, and that's good. The, the 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 proper guns, the proper guns, in five five six, to the proper guns that were designed from the ground up to handle NATO cartridges. The operating system's different. I think you lost your team. 
Did we lose uh, the Hawaiian team? I mean, call it what you want, but I would say for the last for 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 whatever reason, in the last six years, we have sold a every bit of a hundred to one five five six over seven six two to other countries in the Galil. For whatever oh, reason, and, and oh, absolutely, because uh, all the com block countries are not doing this shit no more, or they switch to NATO, right? Oh, so no, we're got- still selling like even countries that are com block. Or that that are that are still running com block guns have requested to come out of that caliber for whatever right. reason. And, That's and what I mean. I it's it's and, going you know, away. So you're, and if I but, if I were to order a Galil uh, Galil Ace tomorrow, I would order in five five six. Just saying, like it, it's the marrying of the system. Now the the Galil is a little bit. Um, I'm talking about like animal. the. It's it's it yeah. is an, it's an it's an absolute animal. It is. It, it, I'm talking and let's about, leave the Galil uh, out of this. Huh? Let's leave the um, Galil out of like this conversation. One, Brian, help me. Is it the 103? Is the AK-103? AK-103 is the... Uh, is that the 5.56 one, or is that the 105? It's got to be the oh. 105, because the 103 is the 545 or 309. 103 is 7.62, isn't it? The 103 is... I've had too much whiskey. I can't remember. <laughs> uh, also, my brain is hurting. I'll I think the 103 right is a 7.62 gun. That's yeah, my I, we have a go... We, we have the machine in our hands that I'm holding the up. AK one oh three is seven six two but three nine. Okay. Well one oh five. One oh five is five four five, I think. Also, sorry guys, uh we had a thunderstorm knockout internet so we had to drop the cell phone. Oh shit. Okay. All right, so one oh one. So AR guys, we were talking about the um plethora of rounds that the AK can be fitted for. You want to you want to address any of that? Yeah, sure. So th- there are a couple interesting ones for the AK. There's nine by thirty nine. That's okay. what what three hundred blackout wishes it would be <laughs> if it was born with a functional, you know, set of legs. I and Vera um, made one in, in fifty Beowulf now. No, Brian is being Brian is really being facetious right now because he we, we've talked about this on number thirty nine. <laughs> and then there's six five Grendel that's not wrong either. Um, and then there's a whole bunch. I've got some friends that make some very strange things that are awesome, but I really do think that the AR wins this one hands down. I'm somewhat jealous of. The ability of AR shooters to just be like, oh yeah, I want to try Valkyrie or whatever, Battleship or all these different cartridges that look like a lot of fun. I don't know if if they're useful from a from a fighting rifle standpoint, um, but it's a lot of fun and it looks like they just kind of work, kind of sorta, and that's awesome. James, what are you holding up? I'm, I'm just saying here, gun like, porn. No, if, gun it, porn. if it works, why are you changing it? I mean, yes, the AR's got a lot well, of options, I mean, and that's Model great, P but AK too. has a 7.62 by 39. We don't need anything else. But you don't, but there are other things. Stop fucking with it. There are other things available, and that's that's the yes, point of, yes, of the this a, question. The AR, there are other things the available. The AR wins. The AR wins, I concede. Yeah. So, James, if there was, is there a caliber out there you would like to see the, an AK variant in? Or no. AK in? You just no, 7.62 or nothing? Well, seven six two and five four five are fine. They don't. They don't need to. What do they need to change? I think. I, I think like there's plenty of other platforms for the other calibers. The AK was built for this, and mm-hmm. it's it's great at it. There's nothing to change there. 
And I think that's really what it comes down to is um, the, the, the strength of the AR platform is this modularity. The strength of the AK platform is that it was built solid for the purposes of doing what it was designed to do. And it wasn't really built for the purposes of being suppressed. It wasn't built to have crazy magnified optics on top of it. It wasn't designed for that, that multi-role. As I guess here's my thing. I res- know it as today. I respect intelligent innovation. The AK was built, like he said, for a specific thing. And so they thought about the round and built it up. When we look at a lot of innovation, I'll call it, in, uh, in firearms today, it's more about what will sell to stupid people. And so they make cool Gucci shit and put ads out there and people think it's awesome. So we take a pistol round and put it in a rifle and then push it out and everyone, oh my God. And then they'll take the rifle and they'll, they'll put some other little stupid gadget on it. And oh my God. And they, it's all about making money to the American consumer. It's not about what's actually practical or serves a specific uh, tactical purpose or practical purpose. So, you know, to me, like pistol rounds and rifles is dumb. Um, and taking like a rifle, like an AK that's not built for the five, five, six, putting a five, five, six in it or something else like that, you know, unless you're redesigning from the ground up, it just doesn't make sense to me. And I think that to, to add to his point, uh, the, the average American consumer, I'm not trying to talk down to people, um, I am in, in, in this, I, I'm not, just, I'm, I'm not, just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm, just I, I'm by this statement that I'm about to make. And that is that a lot of people will shoot a nine millimeter AR for the first time be like, wow, actually, it's got a lot of recoil to it. They, a lot of times they don't realize that that direct system, unless it's an expensive delayed blowback system, um, oftentimes has a higher recoiling system than your standard rifle cartridges for less bang for your buck. Facts. Yeah, I'll agree with that. 100%. 100% facts. Shooting the 9mm direct blowbacks, I mean... Uh, even if you go off something that's not the nut, the you know, with the PCC craze, switch the other ones, like they will beat you up. So, Nick, so, if you go to your settings, there's a thing to unblur your background. I think you've got blur, blurred background on, so you could take that off. Yeah, and your and your thing's too far away. Um, there you go. Yeah. All right, we switched to the uh, had to switch to doing it off of a cell phone now. No, you're good now. You're set. We your audio is great. Your audio is fine. You got the jizz off your lens. You're good. <laughs> so, all right. Do we want to take this caliber any further? The caliber discussion any further? I think I think everybody made their point on the as far as the calibers go. Um, where's my cheat? I would really like to see a mainstream AK and 300 blackout. I would too. I would um, love to see that. Because to be to do that, and this is the reason why, okay, because the versatility of 300 blackout in the AR is that you basically change a buffer, right? You you change the weight, you change you add a couple ounces, and you can literally you okay. Let me let me start. You can magazine change and change the the characteristics of your of your ammunition performance rather rapidly. However, the gun isn't going to run really, really well by going from like a 150 grain to a 220 grain bullet. Like, it's just not going to run super well. If it will run the 150s, it's not going to run the 220s very well. It will still run. It will just run shitty. Yeah. Um, 
to do that, you can basically change the buffer system rather rapidly. Just pu push a pin, drop the thing in. What that would force is some kind of adjustability in the AK system to be able to run that sort of thing, to really mm -hmm. be able to it, take advantage of the caliber to its fullest. And that's the reason I want to see 300 Blackout go mainstream in AKs. One, because it's because it's a more versatile cartridge. Jeremy, you got to add, add, you want to say uh, something but, I could tell. But, but, but there's, there's, there's a technological advancement, I think, that exists there that hasn't been really fully explored in the AK. I'll show them now. I mean, I'm a big fan of 300 Blackout. And I am too. I probably own the only 300 blackout Galil because I had it custom built for me and had it had it tuned to run subsonics and go right into supersonics. Um, Bastard. And it, it's an ongoing it's an ongoing debate with Israel because um, I think our weapon system in the Galil with it already running and the gun was already built to run the M4 mag. Um, it, it's a no-brainer to me, and that's what I was curious what James' thoughts were if there was another caliber out there because I do believe there's validity in that system in that caliber. And the support of that, the support of that that I would add is we've we've talked about nine by thirty-nine, which I'm sorry I have to I have to betray my comment. Nine by thirty-nine is a fucking garbage cartridge. It's the new hotness, and that's why he was just talking about cool shit that they do in the market to try to like move the thing. It's already limited application as far as AKs in the real world are concerned, and now they're trying to use it as the next thing to bump AKs up. I don't know that it really performs nearly as well ballistically as a 300 blackout round does. So if we could really kind of use the both of both worlds here to generate a really fucking amazing gun. I feel like 300 blackout in an in a in an AK could do some really hardcore shit. So let's get the, back to Jeremy's Galil, Galil, Galil be, in the 300. The might, is, how does your Galil shoot with the 300? I'm not. I mean, I've probably only got 3K through my gun in both supers and subs. And you run any competitions with it? Um, I've shot Red October with it. Uh, is it running I, suppressed and unsuppressed at the same time with the subs in yeah, the soup? Okay, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, I had the barrel tuned. We're playing with different gas port settings. Um, I, I also have a KNS adjustable piston in there to get a little bit more flexibility. Um, but it is tuned to run both supers and subs. Nice. It's reliable. I mean, I shot all day Red October Friday running subs changed nothing shot the entire match the next day saturday running nothing but supers just to test the gun and how it would run um it's got an oss can on there um and it's been it's been super fun uh talking with israel um trying to convince them this that we should at least at the very least do something with it and give it a try even if it's we built Tell 500 to put it to a vote and <laughs> we'll We'll vote on it, James. It so took me. Go ahead. Took it you. took me a year to convince five four five to happen. So yeah. I'll get it there, James. So to Jeremy's question, asking you, you know, sticking to your seven six two but three nine only, would that interest you three hundred? 
blackout? I, I personally don't have an interest in 300. No, I, okay. I do think that uh, that's just a personal thing, though. That I don't have any argument for it. I know a lot of the, the big draw in 300 blackout is when you get into silencers, and I'm not a silencer guy. I just, I'm just not there. And I think a big reason for that is I, I go back to kind of differentiating between, you know, the like military civilian sectors and, you know, what's, what are we, what are these for? At the end of the day, they're, they're a tool and they're for a specific purpose. And in a lot of capacities, a silencer isn't going to be advantageous or make sense, or you're not going to have the opportunity. So it just depends on what it is you're doing. Um, and, and a lot of people, aren't going to get into the silencer game anytime real soon. Now, if you're talking silencers, yeah, I could see, I could see exactly where you're going with that. And, you know, also part of my bias is I am a purist, you know, when it comes to the AK platform, um, you know, and I don't put a lot like a thought into the Gleals. I, I like them a lot also, but when we're talking AKs, I specifically think, you know, AKM sure. style. So yeah. and that, I, which is I, why I wanted to have you on the show. Because yeah, you, are, so land, you are the purest, you know, of the I AK land on seven six two and five four five as the the AK. Yeah, yeah. That's no. fair, but I, I have I have two hearing aids that the government bought me that uh, would say that everyone should have silencers. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. I what? All right, I, I can't hear you that. over the ringing. Yeah. Oh yeah, the tinnitus is real, but my home to my uh, my home defense gun. You'll you'll notice I am a suppressor snob, but. That's a hell of a can. Yeah, I've also seen the Jun Level video. I, so. I believe I believe there's a place, and I I think that it'd be great if everyone's. I have a couple myself. I just think that there's, you know, I, I know where okay. you're going with it though. I'm I'm yeah. gonna try and restore my team's honor here single-handedly. Uh, <laughs> oh, what what happened, Brian? What happened? Did I did I screw up? Y'all a bunch of bitches. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, so I'm going to go back just a little bit. All right. The 76254 rimmed cartridge was developed in the 1800s. Oh, 308 rimmed? No. Five. Well, kind of, but but no because the ballistic coefficient on 76254R blows the doors off pretty much everything that's developed been developed with the A with computer modeling and CNC manufacture, like it's very hard to find a round that competes favorably with 76254. Then we've got the 76239 round, which I think we can all um, agree we would not want to get shot by at all. And then we've got 545 that is an outstanding round. 9 by 39 is new in this country. And I, I won't make any argument for the goodness of the 9 by 39 ammo that exists in the US. I make no claim on that. The claim I would make is that um, it was specifically developed, as far as I know, subsonic for the Vinterez sniper rifle, which is the coolest sniper rifle on the planet if you're going to do assassination jobs at 200 <laughs> yards and in. And um, the suppressor on it is just a series of fender washers that have been welded in sheet metal at 45 degree angles. Like it's the most primitive can out there. And it totally works because the, the pressure is low enough on 9 by 39 where you can get away with that kind of thing and have a short barrel and a long can and get work done. And it's my understanding that the rounds that the Soviets developed in 9 by 39 are outstanding and very good at killing dissidents. And so uh, when I w that's the argument that I would make is that don't bet against the Russians when it comes to making a good round. 
and nine by 39 in this country, I make no argument about, but when we can import that stuff, that's when I'm going to start fighting you guys on 300 blackout. When that day, if that day occurs, I live in hope, sir. (laughs) Yes. All right. But if that does happen and the data does conclusively say that that is the case, then I will absolutely. We're going to move on. However, let's move on. However, in the, in the. Jeremy's got to go to bed. He's got a 4 a.m. call. So. Uh, yeah, all right. AR guys, um, any any other comments on that? Um, I, I think we uh, we've definitely beat the caliber thing to death. Okay, let's let's move and, on then. Yeah. Let's go to all right. So as far as the topics go, there is there any other topic, Nick, that you see there that you want to defend? Otherwise, I'm going to move on to our um, um, trivia questions for you guys. So optics well, the, mounting. Um, there, there is. I was going to say optics mounting. Okay. Now I realize that with something like the, uh, you know, the Occam rifles, optics mounting is no longer an issue because that problem has been fixed. Well, there's some and, other uh, there's some other options yeah, out there as well. Like you can do the the Ultimac, you yeah. know. And again, tube. it's like it's like James said. Are we talking, you know, early days? Or are we talking modern days? So. Well, uh, obviously, with the the AKM that had the the advent of being able to put the side mounted uh, optic, you know, like attachment style to it, and at that time you would have had. So, if you're talking about like historically when both when both rifles were there, I mean, uh, the one thing that I will admit, uh, if you take a a M4 rifle and an AK47. Everybody said that the uh, sight radius is longer on an M4 than it is on an AK, and that is false. If you put front sight post to uh, rear sight post and hold them upside down on an M4 and an AK, they're actually the same length, like almost exactly. Okay, Good I, point. I, I would make I would agree with you that where you're going is saying that the uh, the availability or the opportunity to mount optics on the AR platform all encompassingly is much easier and more friendly than the AK. But I would also submit that depending on who we're talking about and what era we're talking about, most people can't use iron sights, let alone optics. So it's not really a even fair discussion. Yeah. Well, that, that is true. And, uh, where most people can't use iron sights. I mean, I've had to shoot them out before to range, <laughs> you know, or, you know, shooting for competitions and stuff like that, shooting, uh, you know, 600 meter targets with iron sights. Using the ghost ring is uh, obviously going to be way easier than trying to do it with a notch sight. But uh, you know, that is one of, in my opinion, the inherent benefits of the AR is the the iron sighting system that it would have. But then as you move forward into optics mounting, then uh, the AR just has a better sighting system and sight mounting. And there are people who are going to say yeah. something about ordering whatever goofy Russian red dot you know, and, uh, and putting no. that on. No, <laughs> you're not getting that from me. <laughs> I know that there are people that love the sighting system, the notch and post on the AK. I'm not one of them and would readily concede, you know, cause we basically ripped off the site AR style sites. Apologies. There's um, a lot of intelligence built into the, the AK sites. So the, the iron sights, the, the thing about the AR versus the AR sight 
And if you're talking about the, yeah. It, yeah, that's what I meant. The, 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 the post site, if we're talking iron sites, the major ad, um, advancement was that the peep site has a vertical limit built into it. Whereas the, the notch and the traditional notch and posts like you see on an AK doesn't. And the, the really what comes into that is, is error. So if used properly, they're fine. The problem because becomes we've, we've built in a fail safe into the AR so that you can't really fuck it up. Basically they designed these things to hand to 17 year old Marines that are more concerned about playing with the dick than they are actually being able to, to focus on the, the, the front, the front sight, the rear sight and the aperture and how it orients to the rifle and all that sort of stuff. Right. They wanted to mass produce them in a way that they could train everybody to use it uniformly. So when you start converting that to the civilian market in the United States, and again, I'm not trying to talk down to anybody who's using the rifles and improperly or anything like that. You can look over an AK rear sight. You can't look over an AR rear sight. And that was built in on purpose. The other thing I really wanted to say there is hold, hold the phone because originally neither of the guns could take optics very well. As far as Remember, mounting goes, yeah. Carry handle. The carry handle. Fuck yeah, everything carry out. handle. So they came up with an idea. They pop, pop, they popped a hole in the son of a bitch and basically mounted a thing to right like that. For those of you who can't see it, we have a carry handle uh, mounted optic here. But that was a workaround that sucked. Okay? Like, you, you put your face on that stock, sir. Put your face on that stock. And you have to... I don't know how big your head is. It's but big. But my head... It's huge. Yeah. Well, I have met I have met him. Yes, yeah, um, it works he, he really well it. for me. Yeah, but you'll notice that if you if you can't really see it if you're not watching the video, but he does have to take his cheek off of the stock. Yeah, it's it's more of a chin weld or a jaw it's weld, a chin weld, cheek weld, which is the biggest problem with mounting optics on AKs, which is getting them low enough so you end up with that chin weld. The same problems existed. The big difference is. The Americans' willingness to be like, hey, we need to just fucking unfuck this shit and basically completely redesign the, the receiver versus the Soviets did not. Good point. Let's cut it off and put a pick reel there. Great point. They they bolted something to the side of it and be like, comrade, this is fine. We bolt to the side. It doesn't really matter anyway because we can't shoot. All right. This is the last of our battle questions. Then we're getting to the trivia questions. And this one is who's better and why? Eugene Stoner? Or Mikhail Kalashnikov. Are we talking the people or the platforms? The people. The people themselves. Go. Who wants who wants to go first? Uh, they're equal opportunists and pioneers, and I think they're I don't think you're gonna get either who's better or whatever. I don't know. I, I mean they're both they both set a course and protected their nations, so yeah. fair point. They, they both were you know, great designers and great patriots. And uh, I know that in his later years, uh, Mikhail one time was mad at the Russian government because vodka had exceeded AKs in export. And really, that's something we should all strive to do is put more guns in the world. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that's well, a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. If anything, I would say, you know, 
I've obviously never been to Russia, but I've seen like Jim Fuller post a lot of pictures and the fact that they've got a monument and a statue that I can't tell you how tall of Mikhail Kalashnikov in the middle of Russia, basically honoring a man that protected their nation is something that should have been done here with the pioneers of this industry with Eugene Stoner and John Moses Browning and Samuel Colt, the people who actually built this or protected this country and built it from its heartaches. And we completely overlook it for the simple liberal facts of we want to play nice and it's bullshit. Who knows? Mm -hmm. Maybe one day we'll build a statue of Brian. Yes. Maybe. In California. In California. There was a couple of guys talking at one time about uh, buying one of the original Armalite buildings because it was in Hollywood. Yeah. And the building had come up for sale and they wanted to buy it and start the Church of Stoner and <laughs> awesome. do a actual religion and church and have it all, you know, be based on it cuz you only need 250 people to be recognized as a religion according to the federal oh. government. Man, that's awesome. Really? And then Curtis is thinking. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, that's like those same. Those are the same dudes that like the same line of thinking. The dudes that converted their churches to like strip clubs temporarily to be able to keep them open. Yeah. Right. Like. It's just ingenuity. Big brain move. You know, ingenuity. <laughs> big brain move. Smart people. All right. Let's let's I, move to our trivia questions now. Oh, I. If you don't mind, Marty, I'm just gonna kick in real quick. Yeah. Go ahead. I. Neither of those two individuals would have been able to get shit done at all without all of the technicians and draftsmen and, you know, testers and all that stuff. And so I while I respect Kalashnikov and Stoner very highly, um, just in my own tiny little thing over in the corner here, I wouldn't have been able to do anything without my guys. And, you know, there's guys like James and Curtis have for years, you know, I've been I shipped them a whole lot of bullshit to look at. And they said, no. And then I said, OK, how about this? And then it's like, no. And like so guns aren't built by individuals. They're built by teams and they're perfected by the individuals running them who give that voice of the customer feedback, you know, to use an, a, a marketing term um, that make these things great. Are you saying it and takes a village? Like, it, no, fuck you. <laughs> I, 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 I would. Uh, I would say look how ready just got. Look how ready just. Yeah. Got. <laughs> His white balance has been fucked the entire the entire podcast. His white balance has been fucked. Now he's finally got some color back in his face. Yeah. yeah so. Yeah. Uh, no. What I would say is uh, Michael Crichton has a great line. Uh, he's the guy that wrote Jurassic Park and a bunch of others like Andromeda Strain. But he said, great books are not written, they're rewritten. And so it's these, you know, it's been really, it's, it's monumental what individuals have done together as teams to build both of these rifles up to be really excellent in their own rights. And, and I think that it's a, a, a testament to the West that the AR is pretty, in my, in my opinion, I'm not an expert on the AR. The AR is as good as it is ever going to get. It is awesome. You know, and, and there's been a ton of innovation, um, that capitalism has, has brought forth. And the AK, you can really see the difference between capitalism and communism in the AK. The AK started off really great and it has not yet reached where it can get. 
And so it's fun to see all these different companies in the U.S. innovating on the AK, where it's just starting to kind of get going, um, whereas the AR has had a real head start with capitalism and, and, and individual uh, liberties and yeah, free commerce. So thank you for letting me rant, Marty. No, that was perfect. Yeah. That was I know that was fantastic. Great. That was a, really was. That was a real good synopsis. Perfect of where to it, end that. Yeah. Let's yeah. let's end that segment there. Let's go to trivia question now. Uh, we got Team AK versus Team AR. I'm going to ask the AR team AR trivia questions and the AK team AK trivia questions. And each each right answer is one point. I'm going to start off with Team um, AK. What alternate use was the M16 buttstock designed to do? Canoe paddle? This is for Team AR. You said Team AK. Oh, I'm sorry. You I'm said at, Team AK. I'm at Team AR. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And I was joking. I don't know what the actual answer is. <laughs> That's It was for a boat paddle. That's correct. <laughs> yeah, that was correct. <laughs> it was designed in the shape of a paddle, um, but ironically, they were very susceptible to corrosion and rusting. Yeah. So, womp, womp, womp. <laughs> One to nothing, Team AK. Team AK. <laughs> yeah, Marty, I think you ought to, it, 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 this ought to be a wrong answers only kind of thing. Or, you know, give it, give yeah, it that would be expert questions to the non-experts. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, let's do that. All right. Team AR, this is for you. It's an AK oh question. Name two countries with the AK on their national flag. Mozambique, Zimbabwe. Shut up. That was <laughs> that, you can't use those two. That was quick. So, yes, Mozambique and Zimbabwe. Can you name two more? Uh. No, oh, because fuck. it's going through. It's their coat like, of arms, and it's uh, yeah. Uh, there's because it's not Moldova, um, because like Moldova went through a weird thing a little bit. Doesn't Turkey have it on there? Burkina no. Faso and Timor, 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 Timor. Yeah, T Bone. Wait, I've got it here somewhere. Hold on, I've got a picture of it. Where'd it go? I've got so many screens open. No, nice. there it is. Bro. Oh, uh, yeah. That's the coat of arms, though, right? That is the... Is that the flag? Oh, that's the coat of arms. Okay, yeah. Tomorrow, let's see. So do you guys Zimbabwe. think they will continue to use this rifle even after laser weapons are invented? Burkina Faso. Oh, um, no, will I, they I continue think... to use it after lasers are invented? Yes, because, like, you know... Are they going to have different caliber lasers? I think Americans will continue to because we're the only ones who like to run obsolete stuff and swear that still works. <laughs> what? Like the MP5? Is that what you're referring to? Oh, wow. That's hilarious. Oh. I, I'm not specifying on this show today. Yeah. <laughs> All right, next question. So I've got to ask the AK team an AR question. It's your show, Marty, but I think I think wrong answers are more fun than right answers. Okay. Where where was Eugene Stoner born? Canada. St. Petersburg. You're just answering everything, James. <laughs> you said wrong answers only. Okay. I have no earthly idea. I'm going to go uh, L.A. That's the right hand of God. 
So, uh, <laughs> so nobody knows. No, nobody knows. Indi- Gasport, Indiana. Ah, no. <laughs> So, <laughs> yeah, they got like a population of like 139. Hey, when you re- when you edit this, go back and listen because I said Indiana. You did say Indiana. I did. I was like, I'm going to guess Indiana. Well, I never heard guess. of Gasport though. It's Gos G O S P O R T Gosport. It's Appalachian, man. It could be either. Which country? <laughs> all right, this is an AK question. Which? country erected a giant monument featuring the AK-47? North Korea. You're saying North Korea? Anybody else want to guess? No guesses? No idea. Alright, I'm going to show you. Egypt. Yes! Are you talking about the bayonet that's sticking out of the ground? It was Egypt. Yeah, Yeah, there's like this huge giant... Bayonet. Yeah. It's the tip of the rifle with the bayonet. Oh, it's really? somewhere in one of these pictures, dude. I'm on fire. You're good. <laughs> you are good. You cheated. Anyway, yeah. There's this Did huge giant uh, monument in Egypt. Hmm. Craziness. Craziness. All right. Next question. We gotta do. Um, we need to do something about your tab organization here. I bro. know. I had it organized a minute ago, and then I had to <laughs> had to shut them down. Curtis also feels very strongly about which way your toilet paper comes off the roll. So, I feel you know. strongly about that too. It should well, top. There's a oh. pill for that for both of you. It should come off the top. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hold on. You guys put it on the roll. <laughs> well, it depends the auxiliary roll i have a i have a, like a little thing and it like sits next to it but there's like a little stand in front i just i just sat on top of the, the holder this is ar question what was designed in 1969 and standardized in 1979 to be attached to the m16 the m203 grenade launcher yes damn was quick. Yeah, he's Johnny on the spot. Which I am currently in the process of acquiring, by the way. I'm oh, very, very excited about. You gonna get a grenade launcher? Took place nice. The M79, the thumper, Thumpa. the old pirate gun. All right, a- AK question. How can we make the AR heavier? What yes. is Kalashnikov's <laughs> middle name? Who? This is for the AR guys, right, or for us? I, I, apparently, whoever. So. Sally. <laughs> I don't fucking know. James, you're the purist. I need to know this. I know James I, knows. I don't yeah. know. You don't oh, know. Oh, wow. Tim Starts Mifayevich. with a T. Yes. What is it? Timofeyevich. Uh, I was going to say Sergey. <laughs> yep. You would be wrong. <laughs> That'd be Timothy in uh, American. That that has to, yeah, I was going to say, that has to be some kind of... Michael Tim Kalashnikov is, <laughs> is his American name. <laughs> It's like those Asians that, that send you emails. They're like, hi, I'm Wendy. It's like bullshit. You're fucking. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to go somewhere else with that. With the uh, call call, about your conscience. Your, uh, calling about your warranty. And my name is Steve. <laughs> <laughs> All right. AR question. What was changed to accommodate left-handed shooters um, on the Ugh. M16 AR-15? I don't know, something stupid because only left-handed people are... That was the brass deflector? That is correct. Ding, ding, ding. Wow. People who shoot left-handed are wrong. They should have been hit with a ruler when they were a kid. 
I've got one right beside me. I am a southpaw, and I shoot all my guns right-handed. Zip, right? All right. Somebody AK shoot right. No, I just picked it up. That's how I, I play guitar right-handed, too. So He got shot in the eye with a BB gun when he was little. That's why. Yeah. No, no true story. <laughs> Which Middle Eastern dictator had a gold-plated AK-47? Saddam Hussein. Which one didn't? That's the more important. Yeah, all, like, all of every them. African leader ever. Saddam <laughs> all of them. Give me the gun of Rambo. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, <laughs> Saddam Hussein did. Uh, Yasser Arafat had one. Oh, like there was four or five that had them. So it, he had not one Saddam when they raided he had him. A few. There were two books. He had an underfolder and a fixed stock. He had shift tons. So here's. Here's some of his collection here. Yeah. He had chrome oh, plated. Oh, hang on. That chrome plated one is nasty as fuck. With pearl grips. Damn. That one yeah. had to come out of, out of uh, Pakistan. That's, yeah, that, that would make a lot of sense. Holy cow. Yeah. That MP5, Check though. Check that MP5 out. The oh, MP5 yeah. is still a stamp sheet metal piece of shit. They confiscated that one from him. <laughs> There's oh, a, that, that's a Beretta. If you go down one, that that is that the Beretta? No, that's it's like, like a grease gun. Or grease gun. No, yeah. that's that's the Beretta um, BM. Oh, uh, the one the grease gun was uh, modeled. Yeah, after. like like they they went to it because it has the the foregrip on it. Yeah. It kind of has an AK or an HK slap that you can do to it. Because on the side there, that stock folds back around underneath or back out. Right by the barrel there, it looks like a little beard that hanging one? out. Oh, okay. Yep. That goes That's back actually here. a side folding stock. Oh, nice. And that, that folds out to the side. Um, a couple of years ago, uh, Numeric Gun Parts was selling those as kits. No that way. one there, that was in the embassy. Another gold or, MP5. Or, <laughs> Check yeah. out the RPG. Yeah. Gold plated RPG. This guy was ridiculous. 50 Desert Eagle. So. Eagle. Get a fit well in with Chicago's crowd. All right. Next question. This will be the final trivia question. Then we're going to go to our listener uh, questions. So go to um, Facebook and Instagram. Start fielding those. Are we on AK or AR question? They don't yeah, matter. Just, I feel like just ask started. one. Okay. Let's just ask yeah. one. Um, which historically peaceful country made a coin featuring the AK-47? Somebody you wouldn't think of. I don't know, but I feel like James is going to have to buy one online now. <laughs> he's gonna find, yeah, he's like gonna find he the country. One in a month, and he's not a real AK purist. He's not a purist. No more. It no. is fail. Yeah, let's see if I can get my tabs right. I probably don't have my tabs right. I think it's right. Let's here. go with Let's go with Switzerland. It's right here. It's it's New Zealand, and that's uh-huh. it right there. It is a peaceful hmm. country. I would have I would have never guessed no. New Zealand. Does it wow. have the White House on it too? See, there's the. It looks <laughs> like it, doesn't it? Looks like it's got the White House, and there's the AK, and then they've got a, a, it's got a Holland and Holland side by side, side by side shotgun. Uh, then there was uh, Russia did one; they did a commemorative set here, 
uh, and it came in a AK-47 magazine-shaped container. So I think what we learned from this from this trivia is that I think what we learned from this trivia is that the AK has been on countries' flags. It's been made gold. It's been on coins and peaceful nations. People worship it. It's hold your tongue. Churches, right there. Right where you you want to talk about gold? Uh oh. No, I think we just established the AK is better. No, it's more. It's more worshipped. That's for sure. Wait for it. Hello, wait for it. A gold Cerakote don't count. I'm talking 24K, baby. Hey, there's that well, building. There's that monument right there. We're we're redneck out here, so we have Cerakote, not, not No, 24K. I uh, I had I had a customer commission this uh, one for me. Look at Nick. Gold Nick's Rustolium? holding up a gold-plated AR-15. It's not Is plated. It? You can't plate aluminum. That's <laughs> Cerakote. Technically, technically, you can plate aluminum. However... If you, if you really must know, this is like mechanics heavy gold flake like for doing classic cars <laughs> ah. then, co- then coated with clear cerakote gotcha yeah you can you can electroplate aluminum it's you have to it. make the aluminum electroplatable which is a bigger process yes there, a much the amount of it, the amount of energy required is not tell me about the trigger though oh the oh wait so uh, at oh the beginning God. of the show who i told that? you who guys said who said that tell them about the trigger though Oh, no. oh, this is this is just a standard binary. Oh, okay, okay. Hang on, hang on. Binary. I, thought, I thought that was an inside joke. Never mind. No, it isn't. It's uh, I had to put uh, an FRT trigger into some other stuff for this. The same guy who ordered this one. The, this, this, okay, this, okay, this cut it, cut it. Here. We got, we got to go. We got to roll it. So each of you were supposed <laughs> to come up with a question for the other team. So no, team, I thought we were supposed to come up with one question for the other team. Yeah, that's what I said. One question for the other team. Yeah, that's what I said. Uh, we handed that to Ballsack. No, I was. I thought you had one. No. Oh no, I got a good one. That Thank I didn't you, Brian. Get covered earlier. So, um, the AR one eighty is. You know, I didn't take time to trash the oh. buffer tube and and yep. and all that and the you know lack of foldability um, without extreme use of extra parts. The AR-180, uh, I really did enjoy that, you know, trying to correct the the critical flaw of buffer tube in uh, the AR. And I'm wondering, you know, what the history of that was and if that was directly, you know, the 180 seems to be the 180 rotation of the spring. It would so, be my guess on the model, but if you could go over why it's called the AR-180 and um, what the inspiration was was it ak or was it just that stoner got his head out of his well, ass before before i answer this i'm gonna let nick take this question too <laughs> <laughs> so so the ar-180 is actually started life as the ar-18 the ar-18 is what it's known the ar-180 is the civilian semi-automatic variant of it um it was marketed to several different militaries but never picked up and widespread by any um one of the problems with it was it used a proprietary magazine, so it did not take standard stain egg mags. But uh, the IRA loved it, and it was actually nicknamed the Widowmaker. So, you know, all the provosts had it. But when they went through, it was after looking at some of the issues that uh, the M16 originally had in the fielding, Stoner came out and decided that, hey, there's a better way to do it. So they looked at, you know, and you know, allegedly, uh, according to urban legend, they they saw an AK 
and he went, well, let me combine all of these together. And then he did the dual piston on top, you know, the dual spring on top to make everything work right. And then created the AR-18, which Brownells is now selling as a, which would not fit on an AR-15 or AR-6 or M-16 upper. It had its own proprietary lower receiver. And then uh, Brownells is now making, you know, the ones that will fit on an AR. And uh, Kurt, they do make those in 300 blackout. <laughs> that was a good answer. Yeah, thank you. That's awesome. Great answer. All right, Team AR, ask uh, Team AK a question. Okay. So, with how many countries has or did the Soviets license the uh, manufacture of AKs to? Like legally, I, I don't know. I don't. I, think I don't know that sure their terminology is off. All right. Yeah, I, I don't think they licensed it no. to anybody. I think yeah. it was stolen. Well, well they, 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 they did it. They, they, they did, did license, license to Egypt, to Egypt, and, and I think like Poland and Bulgaria. So probably three or four, maybe. A lot of North a lot Korea of too, African didn't countries did. A lot oh. of the African countries and uh, all the Wasser Pact, which was. They got a lot of things going for that because of how it was, you know, they standardized all the Wasser countries did on 760. Warsaw. Warsaw. Yeah. Warsaw. Yeah. 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 Warsaw. Sorry. That's okay. There, there were a few countries in there that did not, though. So I want to, I'm going to guess four. See, the correct, or I had the answer earlier and I got to find it back on my phone, but it was more, it was a surprising number because it was like six or seven hmm. because they, they did the, but then there was the unlicensed version of it because, like, the Egyptian AK tooling got given to Iraq. And please, Iraq, can you can you please recover that and email it to me? Because I would really like to have that. Yeah, information. I, Iraq yep. did. Uh, Iraq mostly ran Romanians and Yugos, and the Tabuk is a ripoff of the Yugo. The Egyptians yep. were built under license by the Russians. And their factory was actually built by the Russians, and a lot of their early parts were Russian parts. Because the the Egyptians have never ever been able to make fucking guns to save their life. If you go all the way back to the to the to the um, when they were using the Mausers, um, all that shit. Oh yeah, they're terrible. Egyptian Mausers, yeah. garbage. My God. So I had the fortunate, um, I had a job a big boy job back in the day. And I worked with a guy, um, who was in my lab that was a collector, um, of Mausers. And he, ha he took the time one afternoon to walk me through his collection of several thousand Mausers. Oh. And it was one of the most educational afternoons of my life. And you could look at them and be like, wow, you could tell this was made in Egypt. <laughs> like fucking retarded, man. Like you're just looking at it and you're like, wow. You, did you even try? Like, I feel like I could do this better in my metal shop, in the in the in the workshop. Like, but well, and I've said it before on the show, but I think it bears repeating because it's something our own military could stand to do. The Egyptian military has to pay for itself, or at least it used to, and so they made everything from toaster ovens to refrigerators to AKs to build their military budget. And I love the shit out of the idea of not paying taxes for the military industrial complex and instead for the military to 
come up with its own little projects or whatever. I don't know that it's necessary. I'm not saying that with, with having thought about it for several hours, I just think taxation is theft and that, that <laughs> the Egyptian government was like, Hey, don't steal from our people, pay your own way. I think it's awesome. No. And there, and th see, that's the value of this discussion is that like, I can have this opinion that is like, I've seen the end product. Right. And be like, wow, that's, that's fucking terrible. And then the balance that Brian just added is like, yeah, but they didn't pay for this other thing, which is the actual real cost that we, that we as citizens of the United States have to pay daily when we get raped on our taxes. Right. Okay. So I will give you the, the names of the countries that had licensed versions. Oh, did you find it? I uh, found a little I, quick I thing here. It says over 30 countries, including China, Israel, India, Egypt, and Nigeria. Not under license, though. That's this who is, produced these, it. These, are, these licensed. are the licensed ones. This says also licensed. Yep. Some are licensed, some weren't. Okay. But I'll start it. I'll do it in reverse alphabetical because that makes the most sense. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, obviously, it starts with Yugoslavia. Venezuela has a license, but they're building the factory. Um, Romania, Poland. Then there was a version of it made for uh, Italy, and then there, but that was an import only. And Nigeria has one. Egypt, Hungary, Ethiopia, East Germany, Egypt. Bulgaria and Albania. And Azerbaijan had one, but I don't know if that was a licensed one or not. Hmm. I'm going to say like seven of those actually count. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I'm so looking I, at this I list. I thought the number hard was seven. Yeah, seven sounds like it counts. I mean, because like Albania, like, Ethiopia, Venezuela, who gives a shit? Yeah, but like then you look at some of these and like Yugos are completely different. Yeah, they butchered right. it. Yeah, they they fucked that away. No right. disrespect to the Yugo fans out there. No, there's a bunch of you. By all means, go to factory47.com, buy some Yugo shirts right now. <laughs> no, I so they definitely my, changed the platform. One of my favorite guns is an M92. Okay, like one oh, of my I, yeah, I have because an, you can I make have, a seven six two crank. I love it. No, I took it and I SBR'd it. Yeah, I have six of them. Yeah, like it's fan fucking tastic. Seven six two crank, best shit ever. It's like it's like taking and making an SBR AR. Only you don't have to fold the stupid buffer tube thing. You can actually fire it when it's small. Imagine yeah, that. And I have a I have a Manticore Arms folding triangle on the son of a bitch. Like it, the thing is nasty, right? I had the I had the bolt chromed and every like it's beautiful. It's a fun gun to shoot. It's excellent, but none of the other parts play. Nope. So, so I'm looking at Venezuela. Nah, doesn't matter. Romania definitely matters. Poland definitely matters. Um, Nigeria, Bulgaria, Bulgaria yeah. matters. Hungary. Germany and Egypt count. Uh, Egypt, yeah, it counts. It counts. It counts. It counts, but they suck. It uh, doesn't matter. It's an AKM, and it's the closest copy of the Russian there is. Yeah, but I would they say just, out of those. Just because the parts are crudely marked, okay. you know, they so, got some okay. Pick two. Pick two. Who you got? For what? 
Oh, this hey, is a fun game. I like that no, too. Wait, 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 wait. While these two are battling out, everybody else pick go two. to Facebook no, and Instagram what? and pick your questions from our list. What's the question? No, pick two out of the list. Pick two. Pick two what? Pick Russia. You parts kits, let's say. You know, like right. you, you can't, can't pick. Her. You're not allowed to pick Russia. Are you no. are you asking me to pick my favorite AK or my no, favorite no. AK parts out kit? Out of that list that he out gave of this list, out of the out of licensed list, pick two. Pick two that I would want to own or something. Or no, what do we do? Out of the best, the oh. best, the best so, parts, James. This should not be a hard. This should this, not be hard for you. This is easy. I want Germany. an Albanian one. Yes, because it's weird. Uh, if we're saying best, like as quality, what I think are the best, yeah. I'm going to say Germany out of that list is number one. Germany was on the list. Oh, just Germany. Germany. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I'm looking. At, I abbreviate it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I got Germany and Poland in my personal opinion. Yeah, I agree, 100. percent I think Bulgaria. I think Bulgaria is under Poland. A lot of people would disagree with that. I got Germany and Poland. Okay, okay. if we're going to if we're going top if we're going top four, I'm going. I agree with your two, right? But I'm inverting those other two. If we're going, I really like the Bulgy shit. I do like Bulgy. I just think Poland's a bit higher quality. And if we're going to go with if we're going to go with uh, AK producing countries, if we're going if we're going AK producing. I'm with I'm with him. Shut your whore mouth for a minute. There are countries in Poland. Countries. There are countries and there are companies in Poland. They no, 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 fuck drunk. companies. We're talking about military shit here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, we're talking, on this one. Yeah. We're, hey, come on, man. We're talking about uh, blood the Russian, did the Russians give license to some company to butcher their shit? No. Come on. We're talking about the real thing here. The mm-hmm. country on the whole. If we're going top quality of all AK producing countries, China. Period. End of subject. Ooh. He just dropped the actually, hammer. Boom. Actually. Oh. Actually. Un- uncomparable. Actually. Next to Russia. Not wrong. Nope. Way not number wrong. one. Not wrong. Because you know what the Chinese are really good at? Stealing shit. And making it hey, better. You know Fun fact on that. Fun fact. I'm glad you brought that up because I want to make my final case on why the AK is better than the AR. Ready for my mic drop? The Chinese never stole the AR. (laughs) 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 Can't argue with that. Neither did the Russians. All right. Moving on. Let's get to our listener questions here and uh, give some shit away. Let's wrap this up. You do what? I'm on the AK team, so... All right, so everybody, I want everybody to go to Instagram, Facebook, and I want you to God. pick pick your also, your comment. The Chinese See, the did problem totally is steal I have nine, AR. I have a whole bunch of con. I have a whole That's bunch of comments on my Facebook post, but I can't see any of them for some reason. Like I think they so go to my, my Facebook post. Go to Talking oh, okay. Lead's Facebook post. That was the Norinco CQ that China stole, by the way. Instagram and Facebook. So I'm going to start. Is anybody there yet? I'm going to go. I'm going to skip. Yeah. I'm on Facebook. Okay. Instagram. Nick, I want you to pick one of the Facebook comments there. Your favorite, favorite one. Read it. And then that's going to be our first winner. And we're giving away the Seal One cleaning kit first. Silver. Oh, you know, as I as I go through this, like I I, I go through and and look and see, and uh-huh. I am not 
just picking this person because they totally chose the right team. <laughs> it's your, I am, it's your I am, prerogative, so you're choosing. I am picking it because uh, I think we have a right amount of people here to answer the second half of this question. Okay. And uh, shoot, this is from five hours ago. It is Dan El Americano. Okay. On on Facebook, longtime listener and supporter. And uh, he says, "AR gets my vote." How hard or how difficult is it to put together a Galil rifle kit? <laughs> Good luck, bud. I I saw that same one. Depends I was like, actually, if you got the, the tools or not. Like, that's a solid question. Harder than an AK. For sure. Yeah. Harder than an Uzi? <laughs> nah. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> probably less things to mess up than an Uzi because you don't have to make sure you have the tab welded on before you uh, finish the receiver, so insert the pistol scale grip. Scale of 1 to 10, AR being on the easy level of 2 and an AR be, or an AK being a 6. What's a Galil? From sourcing the parts and what I've seen, probably like an 8. Yeah. I mean... That barrel is pressed, hydraulic pressed into that receiver and threaded at the same time. I mean, pulling the barrel on the Galil itself has been painful enough for many people that have called saying, I, I shot my barrel out. I want to have it pulled, but I can't get the damn thing off. I only know three people in the, in the country that have been able to pull them so far. Oh, shit. So it's a 10. And um, I disagree it, I mean, with every, your scale. I also disagree with your scale because coming from somebody who, who makes ARs commercially, ARs are like a point five. Okay, on the, on the easy. I was being I was being chip. generous, you know. So no, no, no. I'm serious. Like they they really give people in general a false sense of their technical capabilities. Yeah, but ARs are still but, easy as far as comparatively I mean, speaking. Brian, you know Daniel Fisher over at K and S and Haikun. Correct. I have I have heard of this man, and he sounds awesome, but I do not know him. Yeah, so he had to make a custom wrench. We put 15 tons of pressure on the receiver, and it took me and him and an eight-foot breaker bar bouncing on it to break our barrel loose. Yeah, to make He's that. The guy who, he gave me a walkthrough of the of the of a few things from an SOT perspective that is probably proprietary information that I was very great. And man is a genius. Yeah. So, so to answer his question, it's not something he's going to be able to do. (laughs) Send it to somebody else, Gary Hughes or there you go. uh, You know, Daniel Fisher, Dissonant arms, or maybe if you can convince Brian enough, he'll do it for you. Brian, are you on uh-uh. Instagram? Yeah, he's like fuck. <laughs> well, no, just we don't we don't do custom work, and and I yeah, people yeah. we're not really collaborating. So Brian's not going to do here. that. Yeah, yeah. All yeah. right, next, um, but next one. Let's go to the next one. Um, who's on Instagram? I am. Okay, yours is. All right, pick pick an Instagram uh, um <clears throat> question. Comes from J. Edgar Paradox. They're going to win one of the AK or Factory 47 t shirts. Okay. 
This says, discuss the effective range of both. Is it a myth that the AR is about twice as far as the AK? On a side note, every other country, including the USA, has a love affair with the AK. Not so much for the AR. Just saying. China. Just saying China. Who was that? Uh, J. Edgar Paradox. Okay, J. Edgar Paradox. You won the uh, Factory 47 t-shirt. Email me, talkingletgmail.com. Same thing with the previous guy. Who was that? Dan Americano? Yep, Dan L. Americano. Uh, talkingletgmail.com. You won the seal one kit. So answer that question. So effective range of an M16, you know, you're looking at point target M16 is easy 600 meters. Like that's the easiest way to put it. So what is your point target range of a uh, AK-47? 400. It's not quite double, but yes, it is uh, longer for the AR than the AK. Depending on which AK. I would AK. personally argue yeah, that... Depending uh, on which AK you're shooting. Yeah. Well, you know, and we can ring steel out at five or 600 all day long. However... Um, if you're shooting an intermediate cartridge outside of 200 yards and you have a fight on your hands, I sure hope you have a belt fed and a guy on a bolt gun. And, you know, the, these assaulters weapons is what I call them because that's the best description of what they're really good for is that intermediate range kind of thing. And um, so, for, you know, at the risk of, I think it's a good question, but I also would redirect it around to let's not pretend that either the AR or the AK is a really good fit out at 600. That is, that is correct. I mean, you're, you're losing a lot. I, I have shot prairie dogs at, at, you know, five to 600 yards with, the uh, with ARs and they still pop, but yeah, we're again, talking the, the two, two, three, five, five, six AR. Correct. Correct. Yep. 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 Okay. My, my personal record with a, uh, a 20 inch AR is, uh, 847 meters. So, Solid. Yeah. That had a, that's, a, that's a long fuck with a five five six gun, that's a long fucking way. And it was a Vortex one to four PST. Damn. I'm just gonna Alright, next just, who's uh <laughs> James? Vortex. You picked one? Gonna... What's uh yeah, I got um okay. I just think it's kinda funny. FPS Murdoch on Instagram. He says, it's the Indian, not the arrow, but if I have to choose, it's the AK. I didn't find any on here with questions, so I just went with him because I thought that was funny. Okay, he's going to win the IWI package that Jeremy's going to put together. He's absolutely right. At the end of the day, it's who's behind the gun on which one's better. Very good. So that's FPS Murdoch? Yeah, and I would have to second that because I see another comment from him that says, AK is better because why? Because Brian Keeney doesn't make space hitch ARs. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. where's that one at? That's uh, on Facebook. Yeah. Oh, okay. Mine was on Instagram. So, he must yeah, be Murdoch, email me, talkingletgmail.com. You know it. Yeah. Um, and you're going to win one of Jeremy's um, IWI swag packages. Jeremy, who'd you pick? The. Um Let's see what this guy's actual name is on Instagram. So Andy Burner, I guess. Okay, and he's going to win a AK corner dump tray from Mission First Act. This one, 
this is a pretty uh pretty good question. He goes he goes overall I'm team AK, but both rifles have their place. My question to for each of the the guests, what is the biggest flaw in your opinion with the AR or AK that drives you to run the other platform? So I'll tell you on mine, I uh and I as much of an AK guy as I am, my predominant rifle that goes with me everywhere is still my AR. One of the reasons is I don't have an Occam yet, so this will actually that would fix part of my problem. But two things on the AK platform. One is because the mags are so curved, up until a few years ago, it's been very hard to carry effectively carry a good loadout. Things like the taco pouches and that these types of innovations have come along have made it very interchangeable with AR and you can just stuff AK mags and go, and that makes it very nice. The second is if you take your traditional AK, which I have a lot of, uh, and you are going to do some good guy hero shit, you look at any of these recent shootings that come into mind, if you go running out of your car or house or wherever with an AK, pop culture tells everybody around you that you're the bad guy and you're part of the problem, not the solution. And so that's a big flaw, I think, of the platform that things like the Occam and um you know, the Merc handguard modernized the platform. The obvious thing that goes along with that is that you can add optics effectively, flashlights, and some of these extra accoutrements, if you will, that make you more effective. The reason I'm not commenting on that specifically is those take effective training, and I haven't done enough of that to be super confident or super practical with like low light situations, things like that. So those are going to be added benefits later. But right now the AK is not kind of my primary for those reasons. If I, if I could add to what he said, basically, because I just have like one small bolt on to, ev to everything he said, which is kind of the reason why I choose the AR for my, as I said, like right here, right next to where I'm sitting, this thing is mag magnetized to the wall is... I just ended my life on camera. So <laughs> um, the modularity of this thing, being able to add the attachments at a lower weight cost. This this little shorty right here, if for anybody who isn't wa who isn't watching the video, I'm holding a, a, a short, like shorties. A short AR that has a built-in folding operational stock. This is not a gay-ass law folder. Is that a dead um, foot? Yeah, it's dead foot. Um, this thing is super light and I broke my hand this year, for instance, and I was able to operate this gun with a broken hand the entire time better than I can operate a handgun. And that's really what it came down to, to me is there was enough training instilled and there, the, the system was in a small enough containable package that I was able to use it even severely injured. And that's really what it came down to. You guys don't know how, how happy you're making me right now. I called Dooley on the way down. I'm like, dude, 99 out of 100 guys, if shit pops off, they're going to grab their AR way before they grab their AK. And I hear two of you guys say it. I'm just laughing my ass off right now. I well, know. don't get carried away. My solution to my problem. <laughs> Not so fast. My solution oh, to my problem is my SBR Occam side folder. And the only reason that's not up and running is because it's an NFA jail right now. Well, I also, having tested multiple Occam's, do not currently own such a thing. So well, that's, that's the thing, though. 
Right now, you fix yourself, boy. It, there's a dude right over there's here. There's a list you can get on to fix that. Well, Rusty's uh, <laughs> right over here. Rusty's above you. All right, next question. So that one was um, Jeremy. You did that. Who was that? Do you remember? Andy something. Andy Bruner, I think it was, or Burner. Yep. Okay, Andy, email me. You win the uh, the dump tray. So we've got uh, a Gosley AR-15 bayonet mount that I'm going to be giving away uh, to... Hey, uh, real quick, Marty, I wanted to give a shout-out to to IWI. The, the big downside that I see to the AK that I really lust after with the AR is the ambidextrous thumb safety. I think that's a major flaw, especially in manufacturability. You guys wouldn't believe how much time I spend tuning in the safeties me personally on every gun that goes out the door and um iwi figured this out a long time ago and it's really nice and they do a good job with it um so that's that's in my mind that the, the one thing that i haven't yet ripped off from the ar that i plan to on our guns eventually not it's not in the works at the moment but it will happen eventually okay you're picking the the, the uh, next one brian oh now you're putting me on the spot Mm-hmm. Pay attention. Pay attention, son. And this is the uh, for the Geisley. They call it a super stabby bayonet mount. So you can put it on an AK or an AR as long as you got oh, it. Yeah, here's a good one. Here's a good one. Troy STX. Okay. Um, Troy, like, you know, the city or city state. S is in Sierra. TX is in Texas. There are a lot of factors, both unique to and missing from competition, but what people choose to run says a lot about platforms. Slight competitive advantages often beat out brand or other preferences. Even when 7.62 is allowed, doesn't the AR still dominate the competition scene? Yes. Yes, 100%. It's because uh, a... Mediocre user of an AR can still change mags faster than like most of your highly trained users with an AK. That the just the way the magazine latches work. I know there are people that can do it way faster. It just takes less time to learn that movement than it does to uh, run an AK. Very good. Your area of forgiveness too at. at- as distance continues to poke out, BC is a real thing and wind is a real thing. Okay, I'm going to pick the next one. And the next one is going to win the uh, next IWI package from Jeremy. Uh, and this is, I got to put my damn glasses on. Where are they? You fucking old piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. Maybe hey, just hold it hold it up to the screen and we'll read it. Okay, you. you ready for it? <laughs> 14 Taylor 2012A. Uh, 14 Taylor 2012, looks like. 14 Taylor 2012. This is on Instagram. AK for sure. That's who they're picking, Team AK. And I know Brian is working on it, but any ideas with ODS 1775 setup? In zeroing parallel versus point of impact. I don't know. What, did I read that right? Oh, this uh, might be the guy. I'm not positive, but I have to show you guys the most deplorable hat in the nation. 
and it is almost enough to make me go back to California to walk down the streets of Santa Cruz where I used to live with this hat on. U.S. Border and, Patrol. Uh, U.S. Border Patrol. We got one of our one of our buddies is is down there, and his name is Taylor. I don't know if that's his handle. If I'm mistaken, it's her. Apologies. Um, but uh, I'm not exactly sure. I think that might be a height over bore question, and that's an interesting thing we never got into with the ridiculous height over bore of the AR-15 of about 2.7 inches, and the very low and svelte and sexy uh, two inches on the AK. And, uh, you know, okay. yeah. The, okay, so I'm going to be devil. That, go ahead. Devil's, devil's advocate. How, how high does, an, does a 5.56 cartridge rise at a 50-yard zero? Do you want the answer to that? Yeah. Uh, at a 50, on a 50-yard zero, the 5.56 cartridge raises about three-quarters of an inch. Above the... Above the Why? above where it's at, so it'd be about three quarters of an inch high at a hundred, or a hundred and twenty-five. I think is where it's at its apex. Mm-hmm. So having that higher sight radius then centers the optic at the upper echelon of the ballistic arc. So that means that your line of sight down the the ballistic arc, most of it is going to be below. <laughs> the optic so that when you get out to those longer distances, your same point of aim is going to give you a better, um, a better impact on the target. And I think this was most aptly demonstrated. If you ever went to, if you ever went to the tactical response um, demonstration where they basically took the targets and they cut the center out of them and shot them at, they shot a target at 400 yards and the bullet never touched the center of the, they had the center cutouts of the targets, and it passed through all the targets without hitting anything. You can see very aptly that the deviation, because your, your optic is raised to the point at where it is, that the bullet has to rise to the optic, and because of that, the ballistic arc, is it, it, the, the optic ends up centered in that, um, in that, whereas when you're using a traditional rifle sight that is closer to the barrel, you end up with a, a, a more radical arc to be able to achieve the same distances. Well, that's one of the things where part of the reason why when they, they do training and sighting, like the, the military sights all their rifles in, or U.S. military does, at 25 meters, because at 25 meters and 300 meters, they're crossing through the same plane allegedly it's within it's not exactly but yeah but however and i'm i'm gonna sound like a pompous it, asshole right here they're, they're fucking wrong yeah it's uh, it's not the, entirely the 50 yard zero is uh, the 50 yard zero is way superior the 50 yard zero is way superior typically if the military is doing it it is wrong yeah you don't I, need I, to know why yeah <laughs> i'm just saying that if ballistically speaking on a 556 cartridge the 50 yard zero it's just far superior to the twenty-five yard zero. That's, you get a twenty-five four hundred versus a twenty, or you get a fifty four hundred versus a twenty-five three hundred. So can Brian finish now? Or uh, sorry, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. No, Kurt is is uh, pointing out something really cool about. I have to get um, my blood pressure back down. Effectively linearizing, you know, bullets travel in a in a parabolic arc. 
like a, one of the golden arches on McDonald's, right? And so I don't have strong opinions about what pe- what zeros people use because it's the same parabolic arc no matter what you do. And the only if you draw one half of the golden arches on a sheet of paper and then take another piece of paper and tilt it and move it up and down, that's all you're doing with your sighting system because the 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 photons of light don't bend the bullet does so no matter what you're going to be picking a spot on the curve and drawing a line through it and it's going to intersect at two points it's not magic the 5200 is not special you could do a 47 195 right so you're you're what kurt's describing is that the height over bore of the ar uniquely matches the bullet drop, you know, that, that trajectory is unique to different cartridges based on a couple different parameters. Um, and what he's saying is that, that basically you get a really sweet line off the AR-15 and where it intersects those golden arches, and it lies more readily on top of the arch for more of the arch than other zeros. Am I understanding dude, you correctly? Dude, science yeah. is fucking awesome. Yeah, that's exactly that's exactly what I was going for. So this was all without, started by fourteen Taylor twenty twelve on Instagram. Email me talkingleadgmail.com. You won the IWI uh, second package, uh, and we got and, one more giveaway and a lesson without in biology. the ability to draw that. Without the ability to draw that, like on the screen, it's it's difficult to really show that. Hey, you're a YouTuber. Make a video about it. I did. I like seven or eight about. No, making no draw it on the next one though. Cart- yeah. Like animation. I have. Cartoon. I have. I literally have. I've done a I whiteboard. Want, no, done- I want like paper animation, like South Park. Uh, no, I have. That's just it. <laughs> I have done that. Okay, but but so I'll go to VSO Gun Channel. If you want, all right, we're moving on, guys. We're moving on. We're moving on. We're moving on. We're moving on. Dick. So Marnay Doodley. <laughs> wants to know are there going to be any Hawaiian shorts beat they're going to do you guys have Hawaiian shorts on Marnie wants to know uh I could they're go pantsless. I could throw my ranger panties on for oh don't but. she's don't, there don't. right there so another Hawaiian shirt uh, wait a minute you're sitting there both of you or, are side uh, by side app already made my argument on IG but let's just say I don't own any Hawaiian shirts I do, however, own a closet full of Adidas track suits. So there you go. That's or Apple app. And then our winner for the uh, last prize, and this is the – did we say we're giving away two AK shirts? Is that right, James? Yeah. All right, yep. second AK corner T-shirt. Uh, and hopefully somebody will be able to help us answer this question. And It's from Jesse Bedal. She emailed me. Says Lefty, got some questions about AKs. You know I love them. Sorry if you've answered this already, but how can I attach a light to my KP9? I recently won a mod light and would love to do night competitions with my KP9. So you may familiar with the, duct tape. the KP9? Duct tape. That the is that the newest one from Kalashnikov? Yes. Concern or USA? Um, so does that ha- have M lock on it? I honestly don't know. Not sure. I'm not familiar with that, but so you guys know we are possibly going to be having KUSA on. So I'll address that with them on the episode. It does not look that we have. Is that, so this to me, looking at a picture of the KP nine, cause I'm not well versed in the Kalashnikov USA, um, line. Yeah. I have wanted to work with them, but they've blown me off a few times. I think they're, they're scared. Um, well, 
the I first. wonder why they would be scared of going <laughs> on your channel. Um, yeah, <laughs> legitimate. <laughs> However, um, it, it does look to take some sort of standardized looking AK furniture. Yes. So if that's standard AK furniture, then there's a plethora of options yeah, on there are some, the lower there. handguard and Ultimax and things like that. Exactly. That's exactly what I was going to say. Well, and, and Midwest Industries also makes a handguard for almost everything that's a gun and some things that aren't a gun. And <laughs> like, like they, they've they got to have a handguard out for the case. My question is, back, it's but, it looks really short. And I'd have, to, I'd have to wonder, I'd have to directly check to see if Midwest makes a handguard that is short enough to, to, to meet that. I feel like they do, but it had to be definitive. And I would tell her it's a her. Yes, Jesse is okay. a her. She shoots competition. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Jesse specifically measure and at and if you if you message the people at Midwest Industries, I guarantee you Pete will email you and tell you the answer. I I got a connection at KUSA and I will hook you up, Jesse. We'll we'll get this answered for you. Not a problem. If you if you'd like, maybe hook up Curtis too. He's pretty bitter about this. <laughs> <laughs> so jesse you won the uh ak corner t-shirt from factory 47 if you're jealous and you didn't win and you want uh, some swag some t-shirts uh talking lead ak corner from factory 47 you can go to their website use the code leadhead you're gonna get 10 percent off and that'd be anything there not just the ak corner products uh they've got some cool hats they've got other tumblers they've got other shirts besides ours uh, but the cool thing about them is that James prints on both sides. You get a really cool front logo AK design, and then on the back, you'll get something too. And that's on the hoodies also. At least it is with our hoodies. I don't know if you do that on all your hoodies. Uh, so it depends on the design. Some designs have them, some don't. Yeah. Oh, and I also and don't have any fucking Factory 47 gear. Pretty lame. Somebody, <laughs> well, I heard over something somebody doesn't say. have a credit card. <laughs> <laughs> Oh Curtis, I get you. I get you ten percent off. Use code Leadhead, you get ten percent off Factory Four Seven. <laughs> if you, if you I, talk to Talking Lead, he can network you through the guy. I know a guy. I know a guy there. No, <laughs> so, for, for you guys listening with uh, with Kurt, the awesome thing about Kurt's business is that he is a product testing company. He is not a paid advertiser. Kurt and I are pretty good friends, and uh, and like. I paid him money to, to, as we, you know, as Kurt states very publicly to review my gun. And, uh, you know, Kurt beat the fuck out of me on that one. And so, like, he, he will be really hard on you no matter what. However, what you can guarantee going to VSO is that his name, is, he is not a shill. He doesn't shill for nobody. And um, it's really awesome. And uh, he gives very, for you advertisers out or producers out there, he gives exceedingly good product feedback. And so the, the 1775 is, is heavily influenced by Kurt's testing. And, and it's more like a consumer reports deal than it is like going to someone to, to do the razzle dazzle on the gun. To add to that, uh, what he puts out in a video is only about a third of what we as a manufacturer get back in data on the review on what was actually being done to it. Yep. Along with that, you'll get your rifle or pistol back and it looks like it's probably gone through some type of foreign country, mud, <laughs> sand, whatever. But you know, I agree with every bit of that, Brian. And, uh, that's why, uh, we sent stuff there. 
You guys are too kind. You guys are too kind. Thank Have you. Have you very done much. a drag test lately, Curtis? I haven't. We need haven't to do that. that. If well, we send you a t-shirt, don't send the shit back and covered in mud. Just keep it. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be covered in something else. See, that, that's the scheme. <laughs> they don't want it back, so I end up with a whole bunch of broken don't, ass guns. You need to send <laughs> Curtis. You need to send Curtis one of these shirts, James. Yeah, he, he sh- just wear it. Don't product test it. Just enjoy <laughs> it. Jesus Christ. But don't use it for a rag. Yeah. It's going to come back of with that, a silencer. Of that sort. <laughs> it's going to come. What did you say? Come back wrapped in the silencers. That's how it's going to come. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's so, fine, right? We just fucking file a paperwork after That does it for yeah. another episode of the Talking Lead AK Corner Leadheads. Uh, appreciate everybody tuning in, all the uh, participation that we got from our listeners. Uh, appreciate our team guest, Curtis, at the VSO Gun Channel. Thank you so much for taking the time to be on. Always a wealth of knowledge. Jeremy, IWIUS, thank you so much for the support yep. of the AK Corner. We couldn't do it without uh, without you guys and uh, all the the input that you have with our show, too, with, with you and Tom, and looking forward to having you back on. Sounds good. Uh, James, Factory 47, again, we couldn't do this without you guys. Appreciate everything that you do for the show, the contributing with the, the knowledge and uh, – course the ak-47 apparel baby living that ak yeah. life thanks for having me on my, nice hanging out with you guys tonight uh real quick give a plug a factory 47 you guys got anything new going on uh nothing to announce today but next show i will have something for you ah which next show we're going to be talking trench art baby trench art Ooh, yeah yeah it's going to be a fun show the uh, the guys at the AR fifteen podcast um, couldn't have done this episode without you guys. Definitely a great the podcast guy at the AR fifteen podcast. <laughs> <laughs> You're a little shy there, Garth. No, no, you guys just know a shit ton more about them than I do. So I just listened. I learned some shit tonight. There you go. There you go. Uh, so yep. plug the, the AR fifteen podcast. Do not never use me as a primary resource. <laughs> I'm gonna validate all the information. So times. We don't. So many Thank times. You. Please talk about the AR-15 podcast, Nick. Uh, so, uh, AR-15 podcast. We're uh, we're on the same network as uh, Talking Lead is. Um, you know, Firearms Radio Network. You can find us on uh, you know Facebook AR15podcast.com, Instagram AR15podcast2.0. And uh, Gmail, AR15Podcast2.0 at gmail.com. And then you also have a training company, Dooley Defense. Yep. We got Dooley Defense. Uh, we're still going classes, still uh, still selling guns and silencers and stuff like that. And uh, doing all that stuff behind us. Okay. Very good. Uh, give my best to the wife. Garth, appreciate you joining us, buddy. You're welcome back anytime. She's right behind us and saying hi. So, what's up, Shorty Short? Hi. There she oh, is, dude. She is she is way prettier than you are. He does not deserve her at all. Oh no, he he married up big yeah, time, big time, <laughs> big time. Yeah, he he's definitely well outside his insurance coverage. Oh yeah. That was inappropriate, sir. <laughs> but true. <laughs> And then, of course, our, our, I mean, I couldn't do this show without Brian Keeney. I mean, he makes it 
each and every episode except one. <laughs> and he barely didn't make it on this one. But Occam Defense Solutions, again, we couldn't do this without the support uh, from companies like Occam, IWI, Mission First Tactical, SEAL One. Um, really go and show them some love. Go to their Instagrams. Go to their Facebooks. Let them know how much you appreciate them making this AK Corner each and every month possible. Uh, going into our third year now, this is our total in all episodes, 10 years of talking. Led 399 episodes. This is our 399th episode. Going to be having the big 400 coming up next episode. So make sure you guys tune in for that. But the best thing that you can do is go and buy their products. Uh, go to their websites. Use these discount codes when we have them set up for you. I try to make them available to you each and every episode. I post them on social media. Uh, if you don't get a code and you need a code, email me, talkingletgmail.com, and we will hook you up, definitely. Hey, uh, Lefty. Yeah. Let's – Um, it's been a good time, and I told you I would do something different. Uh, Uh-oh. At NRA, yes, let's sir. give away a Galil. And you find a way to do something with it, like make it. <laughs> and basically, what that amounts to is that you give it to me. <laughs> it's so going we'll to combine. Me. Maybe we do a Galil five five six, so we get the AK variant and the AR caliber just to piss off some people. But um, awesome! Figure Holy it out. You shit. figure out how the people have to qualify, and then during the NRA show Saturday, we'll go live on whoever, and we'll figure it out. Holy shit. All right, do you want me to, to put this on the show? Yeah, right now. That's okay. He just did it. There you go, Leadheads. The, <laughs> holy shit. That's awesome, dude. Thank you. Yes, we will come up. I'll get with you, and we'll come up with some cool-ass way to give that away. Definitely. It'd be a good time. Or how about maybe the Leadheads send us some suge- some suggestions on how to go about giving that away. Talkingletgmail.com. NRA 2021. It's in Houston uh, on some cool ways that we could go about giving away that, uh, that Galil. Awesome. Thank you, Jeremy. Fuck yeah. Yep. Um, good job. Brian, Occam Defense Solutions. Talk about, uh, you guys always got something new and exciting going on there. What's, what haven't you told me about lately? <laughs> well, we got three different lengths of strut at this point. Um, and I was actually, <laughs> well, I have, I have Curtis to thank for that in, in educating me a bit. So we've got a nine and eight and a seven, five, the seven, five is super cool for those smaller statured people with those short little arms. Hey, and, uh, <laughs> just because you're a goddamn giant, <laughs> he's um, not that big. I mean, yeah, not not that big, man. He's he's, um, he's when I did a video, when I did my first video with Brian, I had to stand on a concrete block to be able it, to fit the same frame. It, it made dark. great video, yeah. <laughs> and then we got a uh, at least you didn't pretty... look like a hobbit next to him like I do. Yeah, because you are shorter than us. So uh, we've got a pretty cool folding stock as well that's got a triangle deal sling points pretty much everywhere on it so you can really dial it in for what you like um people report it being extremely comfortable to shoot it's up on the video right now it will accept a rifle dynamics stock pouch um uses the sig hinge it's pretty fun we've also got mercs in stock our our uh pre-float handguard for the ak um we have PH1 peep sites. We got all that stuff in stock at the moment. We do sell out fairly regularly. Please uh, be patient with us. We're a small 
you know, people sometimes think we're a 50 person outfit. We're four dudes in a shop and uh, we try and crank out as much as we can. We're growing fast. Actually, the big news is we just doubled our production capacity with a very high speed CNC, another CNC from Oz. Um, we will never be able to double our production so easily again. And so we're, we're trying to work through all that demand. We do, however, have availability uh, sitting right about four weeks right now on a custom rifle or pistol. We also have rack guns. We have a bunch of new dealers, um, Royal Range, Oryx Firearms. Nashville, Tennessee, baby. Royal Range, yeah. USA. Oryx, um, also in Texas. And then we've got, uh, or sorry, not in we got Oryx in Texas, and also the transfer station just came online. Um, Angeles Armory in um, near Los Angeles there. Really good guys at all these shops. They're good people, and so check them out. Very cool. And AuckenDefense.com. That's Baby. correct, sir. All right. Any, uh, any final parting words from, from anyone? See everybody at NRA. There you go. Are, are we? Do, is that a thing that we're doing? Are we doing this? The well, NRA. I, I, yeah. I will be at NRA. Yeah. When is when is this happening? September it's Memorial Day weekend. Second, third. Labor fourth. Day weekend. Labor Day weekend. One of the two. Yeah, I don't know. It's yeah. in September. Yeah. We will be at Caltex booth, the lead quarters, giving away a Galil baby. <laughs> I love it. Uh, make sure everyone's getting involved and signing their sending in comments to the ATF specifically on uh, the newest thing about pistol braces to make sure that uh, they don't attack rights any more than they already are. They just released those uh, day yesterday, the day before that the comment period is open for pistols. So everyone make sure that you are filling out a, uh, a comment and sending it in. And do it right. Don't swear. Be polite. Like, uh, have some poignant thought to it. And guys, for anybody who's listening to this and says, oh, they don't listen to that stuff, that shit doesn't matter, shut the fuck up. Okay? Because um, we, we've been through this multiple times. I'm not going to go through the lineage of things that the ATF has proposed that we, the people, have shot down by being active on those forums. Um, but you needn't look no further than just a few months ago. They tried to pull the same shit and we, we shot them down. So yeah, what um, Kurt and Nick said, totally that that's a, I got half of the comments when I posted about the comment period last time in social media where that's a waste of your time. And, uh, unlike voting, the public comment section actually does work. If they would have just taken the time to go to the ATF and fill out the, the form there instead of responding to you and trying to beat you up, yeah. they could have done it. In the amount of time that it well, takes you to leave a comment on Instagram, you could have done the same thing over at the ATF exactly. and actually and actually filled part of the queue. And it's, it's that simple. It doesn't take that much time. Now, if you want to go the next step further, though, that is to contact your elected officials because ultimately any rule change that the ATF does institute from a major ban standpoint is going to have to have some kind of legislative component. So I'm okay. I'm working on getting Derek back on the show, uh, Curtis, our, our friend uh, Derek, the the lawyer, the gun lawyer, munitions yes. munitions law yeah. group. Uh, I had him on a few Derek, episodes. Yeah, I, that I, I do, yes, I do call him my attorney. 
Yep. Yes. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna go over this, and then we're gonna go over the new the California thing um, that just happened in California with the the judge there uh, overruling saying fantastic, unconstitutional, fantastic. Yeah. great. Yeah. So stay tuned for that. It's coming up in the regular yes. episode. But the there are things that you. But the bottom line here is there are things that you can do. Yeah. And you should be doing them, and they don't take that much effort. Put your dick down. Put the sticks down. Stop scrolling on TikTok. Spend a few seconds. Very good. And that's a good one to end on there. So lead heads until the next AK Corner, which we're going to be talking trench art. Looking forward to that one. We're going to have um, Jason with Skillset Magazine on. Jason Swar. We're going to have James with uh, Factory 47. We're going to have Brian Keeney. And any of you other guys that are on here, if you want to join us for the, the trench art episode for the AK Corner, you're more than welcome. That's going to be next month in July. So until then, AK heads, keep emailing me. And go and go do that shit that Curtis and uh, Nick just said. <laughs> Pornhub will be there when you come back. <laughs>